Welcome to the Blade Fit Today podcast, where we discuss the lively world of historical fencing and everything else related to the sword arts around the globe. Today's guest is Jim Epperly. Jim is a martial arts instructor from Kennewick, Washington. He has trained in various martial arts over the years and is currently an instructor for Blackbird Training Group, teaching the Filipino martial art of Kali and the lead instructor of Black Feather Broadsword Academy, teaching HEMA, specifically Scottish basket-hilted broadsword, and English military saber. Aside from teaching, fighting, or practicing, he's a dad, a surgical first assistant, and a self-described RPG nerd. <laughs> Absolutely. Jim, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Uh Hey, well, we we were talking off camera, and uh, yeah, it was it was a good convo. So uh, let, let's might as well get into push, it. push record and get going. Yeah, let's let's push record. <laughs> oh, I should push record. No, you already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, shoot. Um, yeah, how's your day been? It's been great. It's a nice day. Kind of uh, uh, the interesting thing about my job is. Uh, so I, I assist surgeons in surgery for various things. I'll, I'll, I did plastic surgery in the morning, and then I did orthopedics in the oh, in wow. the late late morning and afternoon. So it's kind of fun. You get to do various things. You're not. It's one of the favorite parts of the job. Is I'm not like stuck doing one thing all the time. Yeah. I have certain surgeons that I work with more than others, but um, uh, it's it's a cool job in that in one in any given week you kind of see all these different things and and whatnot so never bored never yeah. bored you don't want to be too excited because <laughs> <laughs> if we're excited somebody's having a horrible day but oh man but at the same time uh it's always it's cool to have a variety as a spice of life right yeah yeah exactly well that's good though um uh <laughs> boredom in your day-to-day -day job oh it's just oh, tedium I, it's so stupid yeah yeah, stupid. That's a great word for it. And I feel sorry for, for you know, people who do have a job like that. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of lucky because uh, I do, you know, custom work. Everything is, I mean, people are people, but everything is just a little bit different. What I do, I'm in the dental industry, so. Oh, right on. Yeah, everything's little, teeny, tiny. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, and it's all unique, so. When I was fit. first, yeah. oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, it won't fit. You know, when I make something for one person, it fits them and them only, and that's it. Yeah. So. When I was first uh, an operating room nurse, I worked a lot with uh, Peds Dental Group. They would bring kids in. They'd give them general anesthesia, like lower socioeconomic kids. Mm -hmm. They would give them general anesthesia, and they would, like, put caps in their whole mouth. Like, uh -huh. we would do, it, you know, they'd be, like, four or five years old and um, economically disadvantaged and all that kind of stuff. And then their, their teeth would just be horrible. And yeah. so these doctors would come in, bring them in and, and do general anesthesia, get them all the way asleep. Then they could do their whole mouth and um, really change these kids' lives because they, they would have mouth pain and all this kind of stuff. And sure, it might hurt for a couple hours afterwards. You know, we give them medications and stuff to make them more comfortable. But mm -hmm. after that, they had, you know, a mouthful of caps for years until they got older and stuff. So. Yeah, that's good. That's that's definitely good. it's it's amazing what it like your your smile it it just changes a person. Um, Absolutely, seen that lots and lots of times. So anyway, 
<laughs> you, you're enough in the medical, medical profession. Training. I yeah. do dental, and uh, yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's nice uh, having an occupation where you you actually help people. So yeah, good. really changing people's lives is pretty cool. We build them up, and then we at night we teach them and tear them down. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's one of my ideas for. Uh, I want to get a tattoo here pretty soon. Okay. And I, I want it, it's literally going to be the dichotomy of my life. And I want it to have a scalpel on one side and I have, have it say, do no harm. Uh, and I want it to have a dagger on the other side and says, do K-N-O-W harm. <laughs> so do no harm, do no harm. But, you know, yeah. literally the dichotomy of, <laughs> I like it. That, of that's me, funny. you know, it's pretty, yeah. interesting. It's, it's kind of interesting, but. Yeah. Dichotomies, man. Uh, well, you just reminded me of, of something. Anyway, well, let's uh, let's. Uh, first question is <laughs> um, about about journeys. So we were talking yeah. before off camera a little bit about journeys, and mm -hmm. um, so I'm just going to quote you on the on this first question here. He says, "One of your favorite topics, um, how everyone has their own personal journey in the martial arts, and how this both drives them and at times separates them." And uh, so. Uh, yeah, so let, let's talk about that. So any, anyone with a little bit of this, uh, whether it be like in their hair a little bit or, or down here on the old beard, the, uh, the, the old 70s uh, chop sake kung fu theater stuff, you know, oh, whose yeah. kung fu is best, you know, that that wasn't just this goofy thing kind of dreamed up for uh, for cinema. You know, like if, if you've spent any time on any martial arts forum online at some point somebody's going to be throwing shade on somebody else's martial art yeah and like the reality is i don't know you bro you don't know me you know i i i, I watched a um presentation by a aikido club uh, a couple weekends ago mm -hmm. and everybody on the on the panel was uh, from this Aikido club and they were talking about how, um, they, uh, what, what their journey was and, and how they came upon it and all this kind of stuff. And the reason why I was there is our club was giving a demo, uh, immediately after theirs. And so I had a few of my guys there and, um, <clears throat> they were talking about, uh, most of them were talking about how they really liked Aikido and you used your opponent's energy against them. And, they liked that they could handle themselves without having to hurt somebody and, you know, all this kinds of stuff. And I'm basically sitting in the front row with three chained dogs that, that just kind of look like people <laughs> because <laughs> my guys are dyed in the wool FMA stick fighters and they'll fight anybody like bring it, you know, like you have to, we, we teach, we literally tell people that, your goal in our in our club should be to have a dial and not a switch right like you shouldn't you yeah. shouldn't have a, a sparring switch and a no sparring switch you should be able to spar with a six-year-old and turn it down to one like and that. you should be able to spar with a guy from dog brothers and turn it up to 11 and bang right like you right. should be able to you should be able to go you should be able to be willing to fight anybody and it, that's just like in the in the filipino martial arts community and specifically our club, our club is known as a sparring heavy club. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's what we do. And so the, the guys next to me were kind of like, uh, eh, this isn't interesting, <laughs> you know, 
that they, they just they're the place where they're at in their journey is very much not align in alignment with this uh aikido school mm -hmm. and what's kind of funny is my my black belt uh my first black belt is in uh aiki jujitsu which is aikido adjacent it's it's older okay. it's, it's an older uh martial art traditional um japanese style martial art than aikido pretty much literally partially where aikido comes from okay well sorry i'm, be, I'm, I'm adjusting my mic go ahead oh, you're, I, I'm, you're, I'm totally listening to you <laughs> you're fine it's one of the things about um like where i'm at in my martial arts journey is I try and be like actively try and be a little bit more contemplative and be like, well, you know, what's this person going through? Like as an instructor, I'm trying to see, you know, this guy needs more direction here or this person, uh, she needs this or, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, where is this person at? What are they looking for? And, and just trying to be, I don't want to say like nurturing because that sounds soft, I guess, but just trying to see what people need. Like that's, that's the service that we're trying to provide as instructors while at the same time, encouraging them to hit other people hard. <laughs> right? like that, that kind of boring, again, a dichotomy. Right. But, um, as I've, as I've realized I'm older and more introspective and thinking about things, I realize that those people have a, a valid, that's their journey, right? Like their whole thing is, to not hurt people and it's to um uh they want to feel comfortable in their skin or it, it empowers right. them it makes them feel powerful or maybe it's a social thing they like go into this club where you feel a sense of community and and you're sharing the, the the martial arts journey and you're feeling included and accepted and stuff everybody gets something else something different from their martial art that they choose and whenever anybody asks me what martial art should I do, I kind of first kind of see where they're at. Like, what do they need it for? Yeah. And then I kind of try and gauge their personality. Like, what are they, what do they need it for? But what are they looking for? Mm -hmm. You know, if they're, um, if they need a sort of self-defense kind of thing, I'll, I'll try and like, we have a self-defense class that I run on Wednesdays and that's, that's more self-defense than martial arts. And there's a huge difference between the two because, you know, I never learned a single thing about situational awareness necessarily in my martial arts class unless it was talking to people after class. Mm, and situational mm. awareness is probably the bigger 95% of self-defense. Right. You know, and so maybe sometimes it's just somebody that wants to get in shape and they want to do something active. Well, that's a different kind of class sometimes. You know, mm -hmm. the, maybe they don't. One of the things about Filipino martial arts stuff is you kind of have to have a tolerance for getting hit. Like that's, you know, the, the, the idea when you spar in, in FMA kind of stuff is in general, I should say, I, this is just speaking more, more for our club and the, some of the things, the events that we're affiliated with, but you enter into an agreement with your opponent and part of that agreement, the most important part of that agreement is to be friends at the end of the match. Right. So, yeah, I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, I, I'm going to hit you, and you try and hit me, and I I pretty much promise that I'm not going to hit you as hard as I can, you know, because that that's just, there's something wrong with that. I think if you go into the thing. Yeah, that's weird and cruel. Right, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not going to hold back a ton unless you, we agree to. Like, you know, hey, uh, Nate, you want to go light? 
and just like kind of technical and you're like yeah. yeah my knees have kind of been bugging me cool let's go <laughs> right or the, the older you get the more these kind of conversations you have to have before every sparring match 100 percent, you start adding to the, the the bullet point list of of what you can't do you know yeah yeah i'm sorry i interrupted you i just I had to... no no it's 100 percent. i i'm i'm actually dealing with a shoulder injury ironically i've been i've been trying to work out a whole bunch more uh, in the mornings and i i tweak my shoulder um that I hadn't had issues with in years. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, that's kind of, it's kind of crummy. And and now I'm like, yeah. I can't like when I'm instructing, I have to be careful and not go to just, it's been like just the past couple of days and I can't go too much like swinging stuff because that just aggravates it and inflames it. Mm, yeah. And so I'm, I need a couple, you know, four or five days. I'm going to really ice it this weekend and kind of take care of it. But yeah. you know, with, with gray hair comes gray responsibility. You have to, <laughs> you have to really take care of yourself. Yeah. But, but kind of back to what we were talking about, like that agreement between two people mm -hmm. say, maybe you're, you're queuing up for you. You're going to go to the dog brothers in LA in a month. And you're like, no man, let's go. Let's like, let's really turn it up and, and like see where this thing takes us and grappling's fine. Uh, backup weapons are fine. You know, just don't hit me on the top of my foot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, those shots, they're the worst. But, but, you know, like stuff like that, you know, and, and the cool. And then you go out there and you bang and you hit, you hit each other. And at the end you have a big hug and you're like, oh man, that was so great. And, and to me and to, to our club for the most part, the adrenaline dump that you get when somebody else is trying to hit you with a, with a rattan stick is pretty real. Like it's, it's really stresses you out and it, and yeah. it for, forces you to focus and all the things. But at the same time, to have a dial right and not a switch so you can kind of maybe you you say that you're like hey i'm going to dog brothers let's go and i get out there and 30 seconds in i am tearing you apart i'm gonna turn it way down like i know what you're looking for right and i and i know what i'm trying to give you because i've, I've been to a dog brothers match but like at the same time i have to be um what's the word i'm looking for i have to be observant enough that i can see that that's not where you're at and so I don't right. want to tear you apart for two more minutes. I'm going to be, I'm going to back off a little bit and just, and now I'm going to play a technical game maybe. And yeah, you know, right. not, not be, not to be insulting to the guy that I'm fighting, but, but to more like be cognizant of, of a, of a, a disparity in ability. Right. Different things it, like that, uh, you know, and it's not that, uh, um, um, what I mean by it's not that I, I mean the, the disrespect part, right? Like, um, if yeah. something is just a total, overmatch right no one's there for an overmatch i mean not yeah. if this is kind of your lifestyle and so uh yeah and some people might dis uh, might interpret that as uh, you know dishonor if you're if you're changing it up a little bit but uh uh i don't know uh, i mean i'm going around and around in my head about that but yeah no being having that ability to see somebody and dial it down and have that experience and Perhaps maybe your intensity is the same, but mm -hmm. your targets that you're going for is different or, you know, you just play the game a little bit differently so they can enjoy it. You can enjoy it. You're pushing yourself in a different way. Right. Now, maybe you're looking for openings and then you don't take it because you're waiting for the second opening. I mean, there's all kinds of weird yeah. things that you can do, right, where you're still challenging yourself and, and they're, you know, they'll 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 continue on their journey like. Right. It's hard to it's it's hard to just get totally decimated 
demolished mm. and then feel good about, well, yeah, practice is next Monday. I'm going to go. Right, you know? exactly. They, they don't come back a lot of nine. Well, I don't want to say nine times out of 10, but a lot of times they just don't come back. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And so like that whole thing of, you know, um, the, the camaraderie and the and the, the fighting to the other person's level and stuff like that. You know, when I the very when I when I did go to Dog Brothers, I was really concerned uh, about what it was going to be like because my personal focus is well. Back up for a second. So the the specific uh, Filipino martial art that I do is called Pakiti Tercia Kali, and it's uh, loosely translated to close quarters uh, combat, and it's a it's a knife and sword art first. But they also teach uh, impact weapons, stick, and okay. empty hand, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much literally, and spear a little bit also. So pretty much okay. literally anything anything that has a ability to hurt somebody. Anything you need to hurt. ambush somebody in the jungle, is that it? <laughs> well, the, the pretty much literally. So <laughs> as, as I understand it, the history of Pekiti Tercia, like how it got to be relatively uh, big or important was... Um, in the South Philippines, the uh, insurgents were attacking and ambushing uh, Philippine military. And they weren't particularly rich, but they had, everybody had there has some sort of bolo or sword, mm-hmm. uh, short sword machete kind of thing. And they would jump out of the jungle, chop these guys up, and then fade back into the jungle kind of Viet Cong style. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> this one particular Marine Force recon unit was led by a guy that had some Pakiti Tercia training. And he was teaching his guys how to run swords and knives. And, nice. and um, when he, his men started getting out in the field and when they would get ambushed and these, these guys were able to fight back, attacks against them diminished. Yeah. So the Filipino military decided, that's a great idea. <laughs> so they started Don't mess teaching, with this unit. Right. So they started teaching yeah. all their military units that stuff. So our, our particular... Fantastic. Yeah. Our particular kind of uh, Kali is, um, it's sort of bizarre because when it first came to the States in the, I want to say the 80s or like late 80s, something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not the best Pekiti Tercia historian, incidentally. But when it came to the States at first, um, it was very much at the time, all the karate was a big thing. Mm-hmm. And so it was a big art. And he, the uh, Grand Tuhan, Leo Gahe, was teaching this art and it, to people, but he had to teach it not like he learned it, but more like people that already were learning karate would learn it. Okay. Well, then when it, when the Filipino military started learning it, they had to learn this condensed version that you could get in boot camp. Hmm. So he basically got out the pruning shears and trimmed this down to this super fast, uh, accessible art. They, like, basically, we need to make you a problem to somebody else with a sword in three months. And I think he did that. He, he really pruned it down. Somebody that comes to our school for three or four months is if, if somebody's kind of skilled with the blade, somebody that comes out of our school in three or four months is going to be kind of a problem. N- not, not to somebody that's much more skilled. They're not, it's not true, but it's, it's rapidly acquirable. I think. Right. Which, oh, which is pretty, great. pretty, pretty interesting if you think about it. So, looking at the weird intersections between the two arts that I currently teach, <laughs> you think about the Scottish broadsword and the British military saber. That's what they're doing too. 
they're taking these kids that, uh, you know, the, the nobles already had their own education in, mm -hmm. in fencing generally, even though it was generally small sword or, or uh, more thrust kind of centric stuff. But they're taking these people that had relatively little uh, fencing skills and they do like traditional hard style karate. They stick everybody in lines and they go one, two, three, four, right? Like they're going through the thing by the numbers, lads. And yeah, right. They had to get these guys somewhat competent to fight in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that's sort of iconic to Scottish broadsword fencing is the idea of every time you do a defense, you slip your you slip your lead leg back. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. So so part of that, I think, is artifact because you have these people that have very little sword fighting experience. Mm -hmm. And if they only have to think if their decision tree is a decision stick and there's no if thens that they have to think about every time I defend, I pull my leg back. I don't have to worry about the guys doing a drift shot down to my leg. Right. That front leg is protected every single time. Yeah. So so there you go. There's that that blade art that's intentionally designed to be rapidly acquirable is yeah. is the stuff you get from Taylor or uh, well McBain's kind of cheating but Taylor <laughs> or uh some of these guys like, like is it or... an expansive saber uh manual not really but it's not supposed to be it's supposed to get people lethal with the sword mm -hmm. the 133 or, or i33 however they say it this yeah. year um that <laughs> is that is like and if you want more advanced stuff you should go seek it out right there's all these kind of caveats to if it's written down it's it's probably kind of basic stuff and then all the really amazing stuff you know i mean i guess some of the some of the other european stuff like um I, and i'm i'm 100% not not fluent with any of these but like fiore or um uh any of the any of the german type stuff like very expansive and they go mm -hmm. through like six or seven weapon systems and they have yeah. all these things like that's not what the english military a saber or the scottish broadsword stuff is it's not at all that this yeah, is for definitely not i agree with you on that this is for a, a professional army to get competent in a short amount of time yeah and and for me, that's the beauty of it. I mean, I think you're speaking my language. I'm a pretty pragmatic guy, um, mm -hmm. practical. And, you know, there's something to be said for, I almost see them as embellishments. I mean, <clears throat> they are, um, you know, when you're talking, you know, high-level rapier, high-level longsword, or, or high-level um, even, you know, some of the Balinese stuff, it's, it's, it's relevant, it's interesting, it's a, it's a great discipline um, but I'm a bread and butter guy. Mm. And uh, if you and I'm willing to bet and I know a lot of people get very upset at me, but I just have not haven't been proven wrong yet. I don't think nine times out of ten, if you execute that bread and butter the way that you're supposed to in the time and place, you're as effective, if not more effective. What's that saying uh, or that that kind of a. Oh man, it's kind of a jokey thing. The 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 student watches his master fight like ten guys, and he only uses one kick. And he says, "Master, why did you only use that one kick?" And he says, "It's the only one I needed." Right, right, <laughs> right. And and that kind of goes back to the to the um, what your journey is, right? Mm -hmm. My personal journey, I started off 
um, watching those old Chopsaki flicks, uh, playing Chopsaki. playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or uh, Ninjas and Super Spies role playing games, right? And all mm-hmm. these cool martial arts and and Bruce Lee, and it was a big deal, and all this stuff. And you're just like, oh man, it's so great. And then um, I was lucky enough in high school to find uh, the the United States uh, best free martial arts program in wrestling. Okay. And so I wrestled in high school, yeah. and then after I got in, out of high school, um, unless you're outstanding, that's your last wrestling you're ever going to do in your whole life, right? <laughs> you yeah. know. And, and so I was like, well, what now? My brother and I found a guy teaching uh, uh, Shing Yi Kung Fu, literally for the community center. And so we met in the park for like three months or something like that, learning this pretty esoteric, energy focused style of Kung Fu, which was great, but it wasn't kind of what we were looking for. And then uh, not long after that, we found a, a, a judo school in, in Richland. Mm-hmm. And then that judo school taught Tuesdays and Thursdays and we went there and they're, they look at these two of us, both of us were like big stocky guys, you know, about 220 pounds. And I was 25. I think my brother was 21 or so. Okay. And uh, they're like, you two should do the Aiki Jiu Jitsu class. That would be awesome. And so Monday was that class. So we were going to the martial arts stuff three days a week and learning throws and takedowns and chokes and all that kind of stuff and all this good grappling game and takedowns and we both wrestled so that went right in with the judo and we were having a we were having a great time and um just kind of one thing and another life happened a little bit we got a little bit away from it um i ultimately i think i had a uh i ended up with a brown belt in judo and then uh aiki jiu-jitsu i i had continued on a little bit further than that and i got my black belt in that and then i was like not sure what I wanted to do. Like, again, like we had talked uh, before we started recording, um, that particular school was really great in giving you a, a breadth and depth of exposure. We had like six different uh, black belts that that taught the class, and literally each one of them had a black belt in something else plus what we were teaching. Mm-hmm. So depending on who was leading the class, you got a little different flavor by each student or each instructor, and that was great. It was a really cool way to learn, but it didn't teach you how to teach because each one taught differently, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was like, man, if I hung my own shingle and tried to teach, cause that's the whole thing of being a black belt, you're supposed to be able to teach now. Right. I couldn't teach. Like I, I helped out with like the beginners classes and stuff, but you know, aside from that, I, I didn't know what it was supposed to look like. And, um, at some point in there, we had a Filipino martial arts seminar with, uh, a guy that's pretty experienced in the area named James Keating amazing amazing martial artist like uh, easily top three of my scariest humans i've ever met list um just a super super competent guy but like super nice like just a a great guy and that was my exposure to the filipino martial arts and then like three or four years later i was looking for a a guitar teacher for my son on craigslist and I happened to see an advertisement for Lamont's uh, Blackbird Training Group School. Yeah. I was, I was like, oh, my God, there's a Filipino martial arts school in the Tri-Cities? Because I had no idea. I hadn't really been looking, to be honest. But mm-hmm. this was like the first time I was like in my face. And so I go, I go there. And like 
the ink was still wet on my paper that said black belt in my other school, right? Like it was literally like a few months later uh-huh. <clears throat> and I go to Lamont school and one of the first things he tells me, I'll never ever forget because it's a, the perfect contrast to my other school. He said, you know, in this, in this school, we teach that everybody that you fight is better than you. They're faster and stronger than you probably. And they probably have a weapon. And if they have a weapon, they probably have an extra weapon. <laughs> right? Like that's, that's yeah. who you're fighting with every, every encounter. And when, um, in my old school, every three or four months, you'd be grappling with somebody and somebody would throw a, a crappy century rubber training knife on the floor. And that was your exposure to knife fighting. Right. Mm-hmm. And they would show you some really goofy, never going to happen in real life wrist locks. The wrist locks are great, but you're never going to pull it off on a, on an active, like a, a hard, uh, uh, coming at you knife fighter. Yeah. And I was like, I thought I could hang in a knife fight or like in some sort of combative situation, but I, I really probably am only conversing in about half of what the fight could be. If there's a weapon involved at all, I'm, I'm in trouble. And to have that be the first thing that Lamont kind of encouraged you to recognize is that we're going to assume that everything's really horrible. And, uh, a, a I can't remember where I got it, but I, what I use now when I tell people this story is I say, if it's a drunkle, a drunk uncle at a, at a family reunion, you don't want to destroy the guy, right? You want to like maybe take him down or whatever. Yeah. Again, you have to have a dial. You, you can't just like those, those, all those uh, internet warriors that are like, yeah, when I, when I go uh, get into a fight, I just see red, right? (laughs) Like I can't practice my techniques because I'll hurt somebody. Well, uh, yeah, that's not, okay, that's buddy. not exactly. That's not real life. Like people don't work like that. And no. so if you do work like that, you're not accustomed to the experience and you can't control your adrenaline. Exactly. I mean, how do you tell, how do you tell someone who doesn't practice much with someone who does? And, and it's someone who says something like that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's just, yeah, you just physiologically things happen. And I think that's, what's really cool about martial arts. You learn things about yourself that you just can't learn in any other um, type of situation. And, you know, if if you're if you're getting tunnel vision, if you're seeing red, dude, you just need to do it more because uh, you're locking up. That's bad. That's like, overload. do you remember your do you remember the first time you ever sparred? Yeah. Like scary. like at a high like at a high level. Trying to remember. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, it was, um, uh, actually it was in, okay, this might sound pretentious. I was in Belarus at the time. (laughs) So I, I, I went for this tournament, right? So I, I got, um, you know, certified to, to, uh, to, to teach this, this particular is called modern sword fighting. So I went there. Um, yeah, this was in Poland. So I practiced and I, you know, I fought and I was teaching other people and, you know, they're all brand new and, and I was uh, kind of new were on my journey, but I had, I had done a lot of just maniacal solo drills forever and ever. Mm-hmm. ever. And, um, so they had their, their world, uh, attorney and it was in Belarus. And so I went and it was really the first time that I was at a, a higher level sparring uh-huh. and man, my, my fingertips were just tingly. My mm-hmm. knees were 
I was trying to look tough. I was trying to not have my knees knock. You like the the tunnel vision and it sounds like everybody's like 20 feet away. Yeah. Yeah. All classic adrenaline, uh, adrenaline response stuff. Yeah. And what's great about tournaments is you kind of get that little tingle, but you know, when you've done it a lot, it's, it's, uh, you've kind of become a junkie. You sort of like it. You're like, yeah, let's do a this. little bit. Yeah. yeah. What I've noticed for me is between what I do for a living and what I do for a hobby uh-huh. at their most intense, neither one is super relaxing. Mm. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. we had, uh, we had an incident at, uh, a Ren fair that we were doing a demo at and somebody was injured pretty severely and I was helping take care of that person. And we were waiting for the, we were waiting for the paramedics to get there and I was helping coordinate care. And there was a firefighter there and a, and an EMT guy and another nurse. So there was four of us, you know, experienced healthcare people taking care of them. Uh, I'll never forget it. This guy showed up and he, he says, do you need medical gear? And we're like, there's four people and I'm, I'm in a kilt and like a pirates of Penzance shirt. Right. <laughs> like like the, the other people are, you know, I think one of the other guys was dressed up and the other two are just uh, c- civilians around in the, in the, um, in the Ren fair, you know? Yeah. And, and we're like, we, we have nothing like we didn't have gloves on. And, and that person that we were dealing with was bleeding and, and whatever. And, uh, he's like, I'll be right back. And he brings back this full, like military medical trauma bag. And he's like, I don't know how to use any of it, but you can use whatever you need. And I was like, thank you. I, you know, so I'm handing out stuff to people and, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of coordinating stuff or whatever. And uh, the fire department gets there and we, we do our handoff. We tell them what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And then <clears throat> I, I think I, they gave, somebody gave me a towel and I like cleaned my hands off and I was walking back to the, I was walking back to the, uh, tent where our thing was and my hands just started to shake and I started to sweat a whole bunch yeah. and th- then I got the adrenaline dump like afterwards yeah as, 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 and, and I, I thought was thinking about it and I was like that's kind of interesting like I've, I don't think I've had that happen at work but this is probably like my first big medical thing that ever happened outside of the hyper fastidiously controlled thing of an operating room mm-hmm. but between that and the kind of I know, I know some people don't really believe in it, but I've heard a term called stress inoculation. <clears throat> so where you, you're under stress enough and you're under adrenaline dump, adrenaline dump kind of stuff enough that it doesn't quite affect you as bad as it, as it would in some things in other, in other situations, like you end up being able to handle it generally. And I, I don't know if it was that or what, but yeah, that it was so significant afterwards was very, you know, very interesting to me and like after that first sparring you were talking about the the tunnel vision yeah. the hearing and all that stuff the, my very first stick fight with real boy rattan that's a hundred percent what i had i was terrified what that was <laughs> going to feel like and now now i'm analyzing the person that i'm fighting especially if it's at school and mm-hmm. i'm thinking like what does this person need to work on or you know if it's one of my higher level guys now i'm thinking what do i want to work on you know like I'm not just trying to survive. I'm just trying to be like, uh, let's be creative here. Let's, uh, um, we call it a redondo, a moulin mm-hmm. So that was one of the things that I was trying to pull off. If, if I'm, if I'm fighting a, a person that I just, I'm very much skilled at, 
I constrain my own sparring to higher level techniques that I know I can't pull off. Yeah. So oh, like if cool. they're, if they're throwing a one, I'll try and moulin a the one and then hit their arm. Mm. Or, uh, like if we have like a back, a back moulin a for a, uh, a back redondo for like, if they're swinging a two and my, my, my weapons cross loaded, I'll yeah. try and I'll try and catch it with the back of the weapon and then bring that a, across to attack and stuff. So I'll, I'll try stuff that's way low percentage just because I know that I can't get it on, on the higher level people, but I, I, it's kind of, I don't know, safer to try it on, on, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but at the same time, the stuff, the high percentage stuff that I know that works, like picking the hand that you've heard that, that everybody, when they hear FMA, they think of the defang, the snake thing, mm-hmm. just taking apart the hand. Yeah. I'm pretty good at that. So if, if we're sparring, I just, if, if it's somebody that's kind of a high level, I'll, I'll go for their hand. And if I get it routinely, okay, now I'll move on because I know this guy can't move his hand and in a real fight, he'd be handled. So now yeah, let's yeah. do, let's do something that I'm less successful with. And that you kind of, it's like those tests that they, that they make you take. Like the nursing test was like this. Every question you got right, the next question was harder. Mm-hmm. So if I can pick the hand, okay, now I'm going to try and pick the forearm. It's time for the harder question. Yeah. Okay, now it's time for the harder. Okay, now I'm going to try this. Or, you know, I'm going to try and faint and do this or whatever. But yeah, does that make Did sense? Ever, it makes total sense. Did I ever tell you, I'm not sure that I did, um, but uh, my my uh, theory is too strong of a word, but my idea about uh, about pain and mm-hmm. how pain is a necessary component to having a martial arts experience with other clubmates. I like it already. And okay, so what I mean by that is is uh, there's there's um, there's in this theory there's three levels of pain, right? You've got your little owies that everyone goes through. You've got your hurts, but you can still function. And then you've got your injuries, right? Mm-hmm. And so injuries you don't want. You're being too rough. Someone gets injured. They can't just shake it off. They need medical attention. That's bad. That's way too much. Yeah. And little owies are, you know, the, the, the little owies, you know. Yeah. It's like zingers or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And then somewhere along the... There, there's this middle middle ground middle mm-hmm. ground and that's your your hurt right and yeah. um you know it's a spectrum and so you you don't want too much hurt towards the injury you want to dial it kind of halfway under towards yeah. the owie <laughs> and for everyone that's different right that threshold yeah. is different and that's where the discussions come from that's where you develop trust with your fellow mates and that's the thing that you can commiserate over like um i mean professionally you know you see these uh you know boxers or mma fighters they're making each other bleed right Right. um you know the whole thing they're supposed to act like they hate each other before the match just to create the drama and you know money flows more when they do that and so but anyway they get there in the ring and it's just mano y mano and no one else in the world experience that fight like the two of those guys right right um, and you know it always it always impresses me how you know these guys could be just bleeding all over and at the end there's a winner 
and they're both just, dude, that was an awesome fight. And they're like fist bumping or whatever. And it doesn't happen all the time, but oftentimes yeah, it yeah. does. Like they have that respect for one another. They sympathize with each other. They empathize with each other. They give, you know, that, that little um, salutation at the end, whether it's a hug or a fist bump or even it's just a nod and a yeah. twinkle, you know. And um, so anyway, to me, that's 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 necessary. If you don't have some level of owie or a little bit of hurt, I'll just say pain. If you don't have a little bit of that low end mm -hmm. pain, um, you it becomes a casual experience and you're not creating bonds. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> like deeper bond, yeah. And I'm not, I'm, I hate pain. Like I'm not that kind of guy yeah, no. who loves to instill pain, but, but it's a necessary it component. Yeah, we call those guys pain sponges. <laughs> well, I ain't that guy, right? No, uh, but so, it, yeah. So one of the things, um, well, okay. One of the ways that you and I have connected in the first place was uh, the the idea of a, I, I would even say just martial community in the Pacific Northwest, like mm. specifically the HEMA community, because that's certainly more your focus. Um, we're a little bit more schizophrenic because we just, if it's got a sword, we'll fight it. So. Which is super cool. I mean, it's like you do this Kelly and then you're doing, you know, the, the, uh, the 29th of April, we're doing a, I think, I think we're tentatively doing a, a Saber Legion meetup at our school to, to expose people and to teach people uh, Saber Legion, Legion sword fire, uh, LED Saber fighting. Okay. Gotcha. Totally not, totally not lightsaber fighting because lightsaber uh -huh. would in in uh, call down the wrath of the mouse. Oh sure, yeah, right. Of but so you have to call it LED saber fighting. I learned that. That's important. Sure, lead sabers. Yeah, <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> but anyway, like that's that's our whole deal. Is like if there's if there's a sword involved, we're in. Uh -huh. Hey, do you want to? Yes, we're in. So that's that's how when when we reached out to to you or had that single stick uh, event, twenty eighteen ish. Yeah, 2017, maybe something like that. Gosh, when was it? Yeah, it was a while ago because because you came to you came to Prosser for that. That's when we first mm -hmm. met you. And yeah. then and then the that the was a first, blast, by the way, it was so. Oh, cool. man, it, I'm so looking forward to the Sage Rest Skirmish. I know we're ahead in our in our schedule. What we're going to talk about. Yeah, but I'm so looking forward to this the skirmish. But yeah, but um, uh, what was it two years later? I reached out to you guys and I reached out to uh, Portland Sword Guild and I reached out to the KDF guys in Spokane because they're kind of the, some of the smaller. Can you be small and prominent at the same time? It, it's basically <laughs> the, the people that I could actually find, you know, yeah. without without looking under every rock and cranny that yeah. were HEMA fighters. And I was like, hey, we're doing this thing at the Prosser Highland Games. It'd be really cool if you just came and sparred and we kind of did a demo. It's just kind of a friend, just screwing around thing. You know, please come if you can. Um, Portland had kind of a last minute deal that they had to they had to cancel out on. But uh, they were at the single stick thing a couple years ago. That's why we reached out to them. Yeah. And we know them pretty well. They helped us. Um, they helped us with our instructor certification for the, the Scottish broadsword thing. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. Good dude. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of how you and I met. So that's kind of a cool thing, as far as I'm concerned. You and I met with the idea through the idea 
of sort of getting the band back together in a lot of ways for HEMA in the Pacific Northwest, you know, yeah. like it, it's kind of ridiculous. You're, I don't know necessarily how specifically big your club is. My club is maybe 15 people. So like, here's these two little like clubs. The same size. Yeah. We have these I two little f- clubs that are, yeah. that are trying to, um, convince other people to get back together. Cause there's been this sort of, I never understood it rift. I was never cool enough to understand why I should be upset with other, other clubs or something. But I just, uh, Jay, I think was the one, uh, Jay from Portland was the one that came up with it, the cross pollination. Mm-hmm. Like when, so here he is a, uh, a real dyed in the wool, Hema sword fighter, like knows more than I'll ever know. Has probably forgotten more than I'll ever know about Hema stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's Lamont, a deep well. dude, Lamont contacts him and is like, Hey, uh, to get our certification, we have to fight matches against people from outside of our school. Will, will you guys help us out? And he's like, absolutely. And so we go down there, we drive down to Portland and we had a day where we sparred them. We had a great time, but it was, it was this interesting thing. Cause one of the things that, that I, have prided myself on and that all of all of my guys can do more or less is if you're doing Filipino martial arts and and you kind of uh, you probably know it also if you're doing one particular style you can make yourself look like that style and if you're doing another style you can kind of make yourself look like that style Mm -hmm. but at the at the center of you is your style yeah right and so so for me I teach uh, Scottish broadsword on Mondays from six to seven. And then from seven to eight 30, we teach the Filipino martial arts. So for an hour I'm linear and, you know, the super precise footwork and inside guard, outside guard, all the things. And then in for the, for the Filipino martial arts class, traditionally Filipino swords had no guards. So how you kept your hands safe was moving your hands. Mm-hmm. So you have this hyper mobile, like very, you know, uh, boxery almost. You're moving your head a lot and moving your hands a lot. Very dynamic footwork, and uh, it was really fun when we were with Jay and Jay's people to see the. I think four or five of us went down, so we had to have two matches videoed and sent in to the to the uh, head instructors of the Kateran Society to get our instructor thing. So yeah. each one of us gets our two regimented matches and you know, thank you sir you know and all that stuff and you're like you guys want to play and they're like oh yeah let's play and then we're like okay let's go and you know we're wearing kilts and gambeson and all <laughs> the things but we're fighting like filipino martial artists yeah and <laughs> That's you know super fun because we've been doing we've been doing F- filipino martial arts stuff for the previous you know five plus years for most of the guys there yeah and so that was that was switching into like the hybrid that you make of yourself you know so that that was kind of cool and so jay was talking about all these similarities that he would notice in our our fighting styles or our movement styles to what he was doing and we were doing the same to him and he was talking about or you know got to talking about the cross-pollination of our clubs and how fun that was because it was just so weird you know filipino martial arts stuff 30 some inch swords no hand guards right um uh one of the tenets that we say is you close behind a slash and you finish with a thrust, right? It's, there are, there are thrusts in the thing, 
but as as you know as anybody in the martial arts knows or should know all martial arts come from a context right and matt eastonism probably <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and so um Captain if you think about himself for real so you think about um the filipinos and, and uh they were sort of somewhat as a hobby uh subjugated by any major power that came through that area for yeah. hundreds of years the poor mm -hmm. poor country well when the spanish were there when the spanish first took them over what did the spanish have big steel breastplates mm -hmm. right puffy shirts puffy pants and well they had flintlocks or muskets or something and cool helmets and a really cool helmets so uh when, when if you just isolate out our thrusting lines that are in our system we have a, a low rising thrusting line that's aimed at the femoral artery uh, okay. no armor in the femoral artery we have a backhand uh, rising thrusting line no armor in the armhole for the breastplate mm -hmm. and then we have either a lateral or a down sweeping uh thrusting line to either go in the neck or across the throat no armor in that area of the breastplate interesting so that's cool if i have a little 30 inch bolo i'm not going to try and make cuts to your rib cage or i'm not going to lunge and try and get you in the belly because that's mm -hmm. that's not going to that, that dog don't hunt right yeah but what i what i can do is i can get close with slashes and be a problem because slashes are hard to deal with right especially mm -hmm. if it's a choppier sword as opposed yeah. to a lighter rapier style sword mm -hmm. if you can get close then when you get when when you get close piquiti tercia piquiti is close tercia is roughly like thirds so instead of close quarters it's close thirds mm -hmm. um, if yeah, you're cool. around me or the fma stuff at all for any length of time you'll you'll notice there's triangles everywhere that, like that's <laughs> like the logos are all triangles and stuff yeah so it's close thirds close quarters combat so you get close with your slashes and then you finish in up close with the thrusts in all those places that are easy to get to through it through the armor that that's the context that that martial art was formed under mm. so one of the fascinating things when we transitioned or i should say added we didn't really transition when we added scottish broadsword to our uh curriculum the th the thrusts are from outside guard from inside guard and from hanging guard like literally three thrusts in each system you know the the, the scottish broadsword has never really been known to be the the thrusting man's tool it's a hundred percent there it's it's viable you know you, you but it's a i'm probably gonna get blasted all over for it but it's a relatively choppy weapon you know you just happen to have a force field on your hand which incidentally i don't understand why it's never come up in star wars I would have a yeah i mean the two greatest jedi ever lost their hands wouldn't you put a basket on that thing i'd want one especially I, when you know later on they've got like these um you know shields and stuff that could yeah know, fort the the saber blades so mm -hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> i'd want one heck yeah and uh, uh give me a give me a force field buckler too i would rule the world yeah a oh basket, you a lightsaber and a force field buckler you, it's on. you you missed the last episode of the mandalorian maybe i didn't ah okay well i don't want to do spoilers actually whatever this thing this show is going to air in april so if you haven't seen that episode then you're not a real fan so that was probably my favorite thing in that episode it's pretty cool 
You added me as a Star Wars nerd. That's why I'm into swords is because Sorry, Luke, Luke freaking Skywalker. That dude was just such a big hero to me when I was six years old. It wasn't even yeah. funny. I just thought, man, Luke Skywalker, he can. Mm -hmm. He's know, amazing. Yeah, right. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to put that down now. Do it. You should. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll start. We'll start Star Wars nerding. Apparently, I, yeah. I don't remember this, but when I was one and change, prob probably flirting with two years old, my dad took me to see the first Star Wars. No I was I was born in '75. Okay. So apparently, that's one of my mom's my mom's favorite stories. Is like my dad, like my boy is gonna go see this sci-fi movie, and we went and saw <laughs> we went and saw Star Wars. So nice. I, I mean, I I have always loved it. I do not remember that obviously that event at all, but I think it's pretty cool that it's in my history somewhere. <laughs> yeah, before you could string full sentences together. Yeah. You're, <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that, like I said, the cross pollination and the getting—you know—I. What's interesting is there's another guy in Portland. Um, uh, name is Morgan, and he did a thing yeah, called Morgan. the the Short Blade Symposium. Uh -huh. And um, I met a couple people there um, who are actually going to help us put on the Sagebrush Skirmish. Mm -hmm. uh, Tony and Julian. They're they're doing a bunch of the heavy lifting on the uh, as what I consider the hard part. Like um, Julian has like a rule set that he's been flirting with that we're gonna look at, and he also is coming yeah. up with the, the like the bracket like like the the tournament format. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna have forty fighters total. Let's let's just start talking about it because I'm gonna I'm gonna nerd out about yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it then. Let's let's get into it. So um, <clears throat> let's let's set the table. So yes. a sagebrush skirmish. June 17th at the Prosser Highland uh, Games. Games, right? yeah. Yeah. At the Prosser Beer and Wine Park, I think is what it's called. Okay. If you if you look up Prosser Highland Games, you'll find it. Yeah. But so, again, fostering this whole idea of kind of revamping or, or rekindling HEMA uh, uh, in the Pacific Northwest, um, we did a single stick tournament, and we loved it, and everybody had a great time. Fantastic. And, and one of our sort of secret loves has been sword and buckler stuff. Um, one of the other uh, one of the other broadsword instructors and I went to a sword and buckler tournament in Portland a few years ago. We fight it all the time as we can. Um, we we one of our guys that just started. Um, he had a line. I can't remember how what hook and crook he did, but he. Somehow, with a company that he works with, he can get stuff through cold steel uh, relatively cheap. And yeah, so really. I think we just bought six bucklers, six cold steel bucklers. Mm. And it was like filthy cheap. It was it was like half of what it was supposed to be. <laughs> oh, nice. So so we were just like so awesome. Like So now we have literally a buckler box <laughs> just stacked with these cold steel bucklers. And, you know, like when we first started it, our, my first uh, training buckler that I had, I kid you not, was a... Uh, five inch steel dog bowl uh nailed and like uh <laughs> bent over nailed to a piece of uh quarter inch plywood uh -huh. with that with the handle that i had that i had made like it was the most like sketchy the cool thing it was light so you could sit there with it out you know so you don't get uh -huh. lazy buckler syndrome you could sit yeah. there and and swing around and your your shoulder didn't fall off after ten minutes like that you do for the cold steel ones, mm -hmm. 
but you know that that's where we started and now we have like a whole box full of them it's pretty great yeah but anyway so we were like let's it's, do something weird like we can't if we kind of felt like if we did single stick and then messer slash saber that's kind of infringing on uh, Morgan's turf, like a little bit. Cause he had, yeah, he had nice. a, he had a knife tournament and then a messer tournament. His mm. kind of thing was uh, blending the FMA and Hema together, which was great. I, I absolutely love that concept. Obviously. You know what I like about Morgan? Just a, a side note is, is uh, his drills are so crisp. Um, Mm. I anyway that's no it's it, that's a good point he's yeah. he's super meticulous with with how he presents yeah. stuff uh-huh. is uh, he's also got a pretty good handle on the social media thing yeah well like like what he puts out as far as like school school stuff but um uh the so the sword and buckler thing we're like you know sword and buckler is kind of niche like even hema people like that's for most of them it's sort of a it, it, it's the car that they like to drive, but it's not the one that they show everybody, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like it's, it's the, it's the, uh, the Volkswagen Beetle that they love, but the, but it just isn't as cool as their Camaro. Yeah. I think for some people and it's, you know, cause every, it seems like everybody in the HEMA community, they either want to learn like British military saber or mm-hmm. they want to learn long sword. Mm-hmm. And then or some rapier, of the, maybe. and and then yeah, like if they, yeah, if they're uh, live next door to an SCA guy, they do some rapier stuff. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but but the like sword and buckler, they're like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know. I I fought a, a sword and buckler versus longsword match or two, and those I don't feel outgunned at all. Yeah, it's so great. Like it's it's just a fun weapon system, yeah. and and um, I mean it was it was a common weapon system for like six hundred years or something. Mm-hmm. Like it brings that's a lot amazing. to the table, right? Exactly. Yeah. That little that little buckler does so many things. We we tell people that it's a force field on your left hand because <laughs> it's it's just it's it basically says to you I'm shutting off this whole quadrant yeah for the most part and like you have to be a cagey so and so just to get around it with me sticking my arm out like you know mm-hmm. if if that's all I do you have to be pretty pretty dedicated to get around that yeah and bucklers they don't they don't wear you out like a full size shield does. And with the buckler, you can move as fast as a sword, almost as, I mean, you can't move as fast as a sword tip, but as far as the sword hand, you can definitely move as fast as a sword hand and maybe even the, the, the first third of the sword. It it doesn't really matter. Maybe technically you're a little slower because of leverage or whatever, but, but yeah, so that's, that's really cool. And you can just move it wherever it needs to go and you could almost keep up with the sword. Yeah. So and and so that's we were like yeah we should do a sword and buckler thing, and that yeah. that'd be really cool and because the there there's some people around here that are pretty high level sword and buckler fighters, and then we're like well but who are we gonna who are we gonna invite and you know blah blah blah, and then we're like you know what we should do we should have like an invite only thing for sword and buckler, and then everybody else we we could invite to the um, the single stick thing, because so like. Traditionally, the Scots and the, the British military would have uh, single stick tournaments, like like the modern army has uh, golden gloves competitions. Yeah, see who's the toughest, you know, or whatever. Right, well, yeah. if if you're if you don't have uh, M4s and you happen to have basket hilted broadswords, how do you find out who your best swordsman is? You find a way to train with basket hilted broadswords safely or mm-hmm. safe-ish. 
So say fish, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so we're like, let's do that. Let's so so now it's it's very approachable for anybody. So they can come to our thing and they can do they can do single stick and then we can do an invitational for uh, a little bit more experienced people. So like you could almost sort of invite instructors to the one and then they can invite their students to the other. Everybody wins. Everybody gets to compete. Yeah. They can carpool. You know, like let, let's yeah. be honest, like the Tri-Cities is kind of in the middle of a lot of places, but it isn't any place particularly big. Right. It, yeah, it, that, it's right. kind of bizarre. We, we have like 200 and some thousand people in the metro area, but there's like 20 people in our school and we're the only HEMA school in the whole Tri-Cities. In a sea of farmland. Right. Like it, it's super strange. But <laughs> yeah. but that was our thing. It was like like we'll have the single stick for the for the anybody that wants to try it. And we'll have the sword and bucklers for the more experienced people. And then like, OK, what's that going to look like? And then we're like, well, we'll invite each school can invite two people. Well, now we got to find 12 schools to invite, <laughs> you know, yeah, right. we, we wanted to have like 24, 25 people. And so, um, uh, incidentally, one of the things we're going to do, and th this, I think this is the first time it's being announced, but, um, one of the things we're going to do, if you win the, the single stick tournament, you get to fight in the sword and buckler tournament. So now that's pretty cool. That's that's a great uh, yeah. carrot to to dangle. Yeah. Yeah. You for I, I don't I think we're also saying you can't fight in the stick single stick tournament if you're fighting in the sword and buckler tournament because yeah. it's it's, it's intended to be a, a hugely disparate skill level thing. Mm -hmm. But that's what we wanted to do as far as the like the top the top sword single stick guy should be pretty good. Like, mm -hmm. like really like in for all practical purposes he should be pretty all right. So um, that person, he or she, uh, will get an invite to the to the sword and buckler tournament. Well, yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, it should be pretty fun. So then then we're like, well, how do we organize this? Because I think we found like literally for our single stick tournament, we found like a paper bracket online somewhere and we like filled it out by hand. And like that's how we ran our last tournament. Yeah. And um, Lamont said because we had met Julian and Tony at um, uh, Short Blade Symposium the year that we went. And and Tony's, or uh, um, Lamont's like, hey, let's reach out to them and see what they suggest. And they were all in. As soon as we mentioned it to them, we made a four-person group thing on, on Facebook. We mentioned it to them, and they're like, dude, let's go. And they're like, we can help with this and we can help organize this. I guess I can't remember which one of them Lamont told me, but one of them like helped set up the tournament set up for combat con one year or maybe okay. for a couple of years. Oh, nice. so, I mean, that's like, that's like real boy tournament stuff. Oh, and yeah. here like their pools probably had as many people as our whole tournament did <laughs> or will, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. <clears throat> and so uh, Julian like did the math and he's like, you know, I think, I think if we run the tournaments like this and, if we can get uh, two different, um, two different rings for for the tournament, I think we can get forty fighters done, and everybody gets like at least, like at least six or seven fights or something like that. Like That's you get a, a pretty good amount of fights. You get a, bu a bunch of fights. The format's a little strange because it's it's designed to be very fast, mm -hmm. but at the same time, that's kind of a cool format because you get more fights and more exposures. So really quickly, can I interrupt you just for a second? Oh, 100%. Um, 
Yeah. So about the uh, about the, the the rule set, can you say uh, what it is at this time? One hundred percent. I can't. Okay. I, I haven't I haven't really dug into it. And it's one of the things that I need to look into. Like late this month here, pretty soon, I need to start looking at it. Gotcha. The, I I know that um, for the for the sword and buckler thing, it's going to be bring what you bring, as far mm -hmm. as weapons wise. Yeah. And there's there's going to be a, a relative limit to length, I think, mm -hmm. because we don't want somebody showing up with a 48 inch rapier, and <laughs> and just hitting somebody from like the next area code. Yeah. Um, but I think we're going to pick a relatively middle of the road uh, length, and I can't I can't 100 percent like remember six inches or something like that. Something like that. It, it's 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 so Lamont and I ordered pretty much bone bargain basement economy uh, uh, basket hilts from Castile. Uh -huh. And I, I can't remember what length we ordered, but it was kind of whatever. Because at the time, we didn't know what we were ordering, you know. Right. Like as far as we didn't have much experience in the, in the in the system. But we pretty much ordered whatever the basic was. So kind of around that, whatever kind of the standard. And I, I want to say it is somewhere around 36 or something like that. But that, that's, that's not a quotable statistic. Right. Typically... Um, between well 38 is kind of long yeah I, I, i've seen them that but usually they're any they're like 36 34 32 yeah. maybe um but that's reasonable 32 i think anything less than 32 is getting kind of short i yeah we were playing with well i'll, I'll different story for different yeah, whatever it is we'll, yeah. We'll, yeah we'll we'll work on that um i do know so we're we're going to be under the hema alliances uh insurance policy so armor wise, you're going to need uh, leg armor, including kneecaps, hard, hard kneecaps, yeah. hard elbows, gloves, uh, 350 gambeson uh, mask. And I think I think I'm going to encourage back of head, but I don't know if HEMA Alliance does. I want to say they might. I think it's I think I would it's recommend fun. it. I a hundred percent do, but I, I know there are some rule sets out there that it's not because it's generally the exchanges are so linear, right. but I, I, like I said, I don't know what, um, I don't pour over HEMA alliances requirements. Right. I would, I mean, if you don't got one guys, just get one. <laughs> it's just better. Um, you, you are kind of playing with your, with your life. If, if you don't, I mean, if you get hit wrong, you'll be to quote a line, from one of my favorite Western movies, you'll be strange for the rest of your days. It's pretty, just, pretty wonderful. That's a great sentence. Yeah, it's man, open range, great movie. Um, great. But anyway, yeah, um, just just get one um, because anytime you have a shield, uh, even if it's a, a buckler, it tends to there's the option of it suddenly not becoming linear. Suddenly yeah. you, there's like traversing, and you just need a little traverse and the wrong kind of hit, and it's mm -hmm. back of your head. So uh, Lamont has a video on, I can't remember if it's on the Blackbird training group page, a, a slight aside on the, on the journey for me. Okay. Um, Blackbird training group is what Lamont created for uh, his school. Mm -hmm. And he didn't call it like Blackbird Pekiti Tersiakali or whatever, because he knew that it was just going to be general for training. He, he was very much interested in, He's one of the most well-read and rounded people for martial arts information I've ever met in my life. <laughs> and so he kind of 
knew ahead of time that he was going to do other things within his school. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's the Blackbird Training Group. So the Blackbird, uh, is, because as we're in the Pacific Northwest, it's the, t the totem style uh, Blackbird, the raven, right? In, in uh, Native American lore, the, the raven is the trickster. In a sword fight, you don't have to be strong, but it really helps to be tricky. Yeah, I like right. That. And so, so that's where Blackbird training came from. Well, when, um, we were pursuing our, uh, Katerin society, uh, instructorships, one of the things when you got your instructorship, you had to establish a, a broadsword academy and it had to have broadsword academy in the title. Hmm. And I had decided that I had, uh, I had already had my instructorship in, um, my guru rank in, um, uh, Pekiti. And I, I decided, you know, if I ever have a, my own school, I'm going to call it black feather something. Cause it's not, it's a part of the whole blackbird, but it's not like it comes. That's where it comes from. Yeah. Like I, right. I always thought that was like, cool, you know, like blackbird tactical or, you know, cause you have to say tactical in the name if you're going to do self-defense stuff or whatever. <laughs> and, um, when, when we had to have a, a, a broadsword Academy name, I was like, you know what? let's do black feather broadsword Academy. I think that'd be really cool. And, uh, uh, Lamont was, uh, very much the head instructor for uh, blackbird training group. And I, I volunteered, like we all, we are all instructors of the same level in the Katerin society. But I sort of said, you know, I'll head up the broadsword Academy cause I was a senior student like under Lamont. So that'll kind of be my baby. So I like pay the insurance and, you know, I, I do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's kind of how I got to name it and, and how it's more or less it's, it's mine. But at the same time, all of the instructors help out and, you know, it's this kind of collaborative thing. So that's yeah, where black, cool. that's why we have blackbird and black feather. They're, they're kind of two things. Yeah. So at the, the Highland games is going to be for black feather broadsword academies stuff. So yeah, that's okay. That's where that comes from. Just, just dig to, it. To, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Yeah, it, it is, and it's anyway. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. so the um, the Hema Alliance rule set. Uh, I, 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 I like I said, I don't remember if it requires back ahead or not. But on Blackbird Training Group's webpage or the Black Feather Broadsword, um, I mean YouTube, we have two channels, and neither one are. Well, the, the the Blackbird Training Group one's pretty active. Lamont keeps sticking stuff up on there. We haven't done nearly as much on the on the Black Feather one, just for one reason or another. But on one of them, it has a really really cool back of head armor that he found, mm. where you use like a catcher's back of head armor, mm -hmm. and then a throat protector from lacrosse as your <laughs> as your beaver tail. Yeah, and then you you like attach them with uh, zip ties or something like that. Oh, I dig it. So, so it's like it's articulating. Mm -hmm. So you 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 uh, attach it to the beaver tail of the back of your fencing mask, mm -hmm. and then it, it's shaped such that it just covers that back of your fencing mask. And then you pop it up, slip your head on, and then it's it covers everything. It's it's yeah. pretty great. Yeah, that's cool. I have a giant head, so I had to make mine out of leather. <laughs> yeah. I, I made it out of leather and then I hardened it with uh, this stearic acid or something. It's like, it oh, feels yeah. like plastic. It's pretty great. That's cool. So you, you hard boiled it or whatever. You yeah. Yeah. So with this special stuff, but 
but back of head armor is super, super important. Yeah. Well, you guys are, are pretty amazing. For me, I took the easy way out. I just I just ordered a, a back of the head protection thing from Spez. Spez, yeah. Never looked well, back. It's like wearing a carpet, man. They're so hot. Well, maybe that's my problem because I, yeah, I, uh, well, it's just the back of the head thing. It's not, yeah. I don't have. No, no, like, that's what I'm talking about. I have one of those. Yeah. It's so hot. I'll show you because I have, huh. I have two fencing masks. Okay. One has Lamont's thing. So when we get together. One has Lamont's thing, and yeah. then uh, I have my nice one that has the the leather. I'll show yeah. you both of those. Well, maybe that's my problem. I run hot anyway, and that's why yeah. I'm kind of like the doofus who doesn't have a leather overlay over my thing, you know, right, over right. the top of my mask because right. uh, I don't want to just, you know, this is your this is just your brain drugs. on drugs happening mm-hmm. inside my noggin. Just, <laughs> just well, you don't, you also don't want to have the in there. You don't have a CPU fan blowing the cold air in there. (laughs) I should. I should. You know, on on a side note, I'm really kind of wondering um, what kind of mods I can do to my getup to where I am introducing cooler air or at least expelling out the hot air is like is like an actual push. And so, uh, man, I would love to collab on with with other people who have good ideas and come up with something for the community because uh i can't be the only one that just runs super hot no i'm i'm uh uh i'm a sweater big like big big time and you yeah. know those those gamisons are ridiculous i can't remember somebody made a long sword grade gamison and like right up until the ribs it's all that beautiful 350 or 8 i think it's 800 newton stuff yeah and and then like the the middle of the back is like super cooling that's what i I'm got like, i'm like that's genius right yeah. but because mine is mine is uh the old school it's like wearing a it's like wearing a carpet for for your your match it's just so hot yeah. and the tri the tri cities isn't exactly known for their cool temperatures in the summer no and we're you know we're <laughs> yeah i just need buckets of water that that in between yeah you know if i don't lose the first match it's <laughs> I know, I'm with you. I'll just hop in the bath or something. We need like a horse trough. Exactly. Dip in the horse trough in between matches. Exactly. <laughs> hey, so so um, one one thing that I know that we had talked about a little bit, but I don't think we've touched on yet. Yeah. What? How do you teach your people's... Uh, allow me to ask a question for a moment. Yeah. How do you teach your guys uh, like what a acceptable level of contact is? Yeah, you know that's oh yeah, that that's a that's a, that's a good question. Um <laughs> because everyone has different ideas. Um I, I think w- really what it boils down to is as the leader of your club, you sort of set the trend. Mm-hmm. And people just kind of take their cues from you how you treat the others in the club and they they will match you, especially if if you just say things about it. Um some people just want to hit harder. And, you know, I'm starting to think that physiologically some people just don't have the nervous system architecture to feather the the force. I I don't I don't. So some people just hit hard no matter what. Yeah. You know, they're the bruisers. And fortunately, if your club's big enough, you could just have the bruisers over there. Yeah. Um, But uh, 
but those that those are there's only a few of those. Most people, I think, they just take cues from from me how I set the tone. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I like to to you know really mix it up, and sometimes it's all about the skill, and it's just about getting the touch because you're working on you know pedagogically whatever it is that you're working on at that moment that skill you're trying to get that skill into your muscle memory yeah um i'm not even sure if i answered your question correctly i just think it's setting the tone as the leaders right and that's another thing about uh martial arts is it really is you need leaders leading the thing right and i i mean you're an awesome leader um just in dealing with you seeing you talking with you and so i know that's yeah no seriously I know that that you do that, you know, <laughs> to get on my soapbox. The world needs good leaders on a on a on a local level, you know, just even showing what it is, right? Yeah. And um, so I'm not saying I'm a great leader, but just setting the tone uh, in the club, I think, um, I think that's the best way to go about it. I I 100% agree with your statement. Like that's, it's almost like I would have said the like word for word. I I think. Um, One of the things that uh, is an artifact in a lot of Filipino martial arts stuff is part of the most well-known organization within Filipino martial arts is the Dog Brothers. And one of their their, uh, fundamental sayings is higher consciousness through harder contact. And Mm -hmm. um, there is no better way to test yourself and your personal skill and uh like can you hang i I don't know like just spiritually like test who you are Mm -hmm. then entering into a a fight with another person where you're both like i'm gonna try and hit you pretty hard or you know sometimes as hard as i can you try and hit me as hard as you can and at the end of the day we'll hug it out and we'll 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 talk about another organization that we're affiliated in a second but yeah that's like the that's like in a way that's kind of what a lot of people aspire to mm-hmm. and and they, they sort of hold that in highest esteem um like can you bring it you know that's that's kind of what they say and i think i think you have to be able to and willing to bring it yes at some level but yes. at the same time not to be a broken record but you have to have a dial and not a switch you can't have sparring mode and training mode you, you have to you have to be able to tune it up and down to who you're fighting um, and even within a fight right like uh, we were talking about before we started recording um, you have to be able to be fighting somebody and if you're taking them apart maybe it's just cruel to especially if you're fighting a stranger right like if I'm fighting somebody yes. that I've never fought before I've been in a couple uh, uh, sparring fights with with folks and like maybe they're I'm a pretty big dude. And if they're if they're like my size, I'm gonna be pretty damn respectful and you know, to, to figure it out. Like I'm respectful to everybody, I guess I should say that. But I'm yeah. gonna <laughs> maybe respect some a little bit more <laughs> when the potential damage coming my way is a little higher. Yeah, the repercussions are real after the fact. <laughs> right. And, and and if I if I get in there and I and they take me into deep water okay that's cool like i'm i'm fighting at a level that's that's appropriate but if Mm -hmm. i start fighting and they're just starting to get blown out or they're backing up a lot because i'm just taking their hand apart well 
you know, maybe I'll try different, I'll, I'll try more technical stuff. I'll try stuff that challenges me as a fighter and, and challenges them as a fighter. I'm mm -hmm. not just going to give them the fight, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not, and I'm not going to either. I'm not going to obliterate them either. Right. Like, yes, that, 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 that's that finding that thing that at the end of the thing, I want to be able to have you respect me for being an honorable fighter and, and you, you respect me. Like, like I want it to go both ways. I want to, I want it to be a good thing. Um, yeah. I, I, I fought a guy one time and, um, I always treat the stick as a sword. That's just my thing. That that's my, my journey. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, this guy's journey was a stick is a stick when it's a stick. If he's training with a sword, it's a sword, which I get it. That's, that's fine. And very first exchange, I do a big, you know, establish some respect. I'm going to, I'm going to give you some power. And I throw a big number one and he catches it on his, on his arm right here. Bang. And he, he returns back. So I hit with a, I hit, hit his arm and I had to, I had to come back to the roof and then we split a little bit. And I was like, damn, he just took everything I had on his arm. Like <laughs> this guy is capable of sucking up some punishment. And we had a pretty good yeah. fight. And like uh, later, later in the fight, uh, I, I, came with a roof and I crashed him. I wrapped up his arm, stabbed him in the belly once, hit him in the thigh once, stabbed him in the head. And then they broke because, you know, we weren't doing takedowns because yeah. that was part of the agreement before we started. He didn't want to get taken down and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, I mean, my judo and Aikijitsu background, every time I go, I'm like, I don't care. Let's go. Like, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable however the fight wants to go. And <clears throat> um, we broke. And then after the fight, he like big hug and he's like, oh, Thanks, man. That was a great fight. You really had my leg. You could have really, you could have really done some damage. And I was like, in my brain, I was like, I knew I hit your leg. You damn sure know I hit your leg at least twice. <laughs> Why would I hit your leg six times? Right. Like everybody in the room knew that if that was a real blade, you'd be, you'd be stumpy. Right. Like, yeah, like, like, and I don't, I, I just, I, that, but that's not my journey. Mm -hmm. Right. My journey is if I was in a real boy sword fight, God forbid, I'm pretty confident that I, I'm going to take very, very limited damage. If I crash in on, on almost anybody, I can get, I can get a one. So I crash in, I wrap the arm, my hand always comes back. I always get one thr thrust in the belly. I always bring it around here so they can't stop that arm. I get them on the head. And then I get one big chop on the leg, almost guaranteed every single time you get a minimum of three hits. It's mm -hmm. just, that's just, if you're aggressive and you, you do that particular crash, that particular way, you can usually hit three times Yeah. in a, in a real boy zombie apocalypse book of Eli sword fight. That's what people would have to deal with from, from me for the most part. Right. And if, if it takes six chops to get through that guy's leg, then it's going to take six chops, but I'm not going to throw down six chops in a sparring match just because that guy doesn't have a pain gene, right? <laughs> just because he's right. just because it didn't hurt him enough, you know, and cause yeah. then, then I'm not, then I'm fighting to his journey and not mine. Does that make sense? It does. And, and, um, <clears throat> you know, just thinking about that, why, if you, if you have an opponent and you 
have um, you have uh, successfully overpowered them the way that you train to, the way that you want to, and take mm-hmm. full advantage of that to the point where they're hurting a lot or that you're making them look bad or foolish. Yeah. You know, you're, you're burning a bridge and why would you do that? Right. Because you could establish this amazing, uh, working relationship with this type of person. You know, like you're saying before, especially if they're a stranger, why wouldn't you want to make a positive connection, you know, within your community as opposed to, you know, maybe this guy's going to hold a grudge, maybe, you know, there's trouble. I mean, yeah, you know, all, all of that stuff. Um, and life is just better when, when, you know, people who are, especially in, in your community, right? It's such a niche thing. Why wouldn't you want somebody respecting you and helping you on your journey as you're helping them on theirs? I mean, absolutely. You're not enemies. No. So, um, the dog brothers, like I said, was, was one of the things that everybody looks to for, for guidance as to like, what you should aspire to be as a Filipino martial arts practitioner. Um, Lamont and another uh, instructor from Seattle named Belton, uh, they started a thing that they called Tipon Tipon, which is mm-hmm. roughly in Filipino, like gathering. It, it's yeah. kind of like somewhere, somewhere around uh, like family reunion ish gathering kind of thing, like, like friendly gathering or something. Yeah. And so Tipon Tipon is a thing where, um, we meet at Belton's twice a year now. I think the next one is in October. You should go. I'll come get you. Go. If you want. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll drive down there and then we'll swing up. <laughs> but but uh, so the cool thing is it is 100% uh, two people entering into an agreement to spar. Mm-hmm. And it's literally an agreement. Hey, Nate, uh, I haven't done stick and dagger in a while are, are you down and you're like i'm not really a stick and dagger guy would you fight if i did stick and buckler would you still want to do stick and dagger i'm like yeah sure you know i i kind of jack my knee though uh i don't want to go to the ground so like maybe if you crash we can clinch or something oh yeah sure that's fine cool good thanks that's a great time and then and then you go fight and you spend two minutes and you fight and you hug it out at the end of the match you always protect you i'll always protect me and the idea is we're friends at the end. Cool. Mm. And then, the, you know, maybe the next time I'm fighting somebody else and I'm like, you know, <laughs> I fought six matches today. I am smoked. But I really like what I saw with some of your matches. Would you do like a light technical fight with me? And the guy's like, dude, that sounds great. And so we fight. I will say after we've started the uh, Scottish broadsword stuff, mm. every single tipon tipon, I fight somebody with uh, steel. Because in general, uh, most FMA clubs just fight with rattan or aluminum mm-hmm. training knives. Yeah. But but steel weapons are super baller as far as they're concerned because it's weird, right? Yeah. And so uh, I have some of those uh, training hoodies, the the three fifty newton training hoodies. Yeah. I bought three of them for the club, mm-hmm. and so I have loaners. So if somebody wants to, hey, uh, I saw you guys playing with the, or you you brought the, we have like a um. Uh, soccer mom cart that I pull out of my truck and we put all our gear in. Yeah. Like I, I saw your steel swords in the in the wagon. Uh, could would you fight with those? I'm like oh heck yeah! And so next thing I know, I'm doing a I'm doing a sword fight, a steel <laughs> sword fight at a. It's not an FMA thing, but 
at a, at this T-bone T-bone thing, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's cool. Like anybody will fight anybody, anything with anything. It's it's kind of like Diet Dog Brothers in a lot of ways. Like <laughs> the, the idea is we you can 100% bring the intensity of a Dog Brothers fight if you want to. If if you're like, hey, I got to, like we said uh, before recording, you're like, hey, Jim, I got a, a Dog Brothers uh gathering in uh, next month i kind of want to take it up a little bit and and you know really see if i have it are you are you down you can pull me into deep water i don't mind let's go let's do this and we go yeah. out and we fight and we have a great time and you grapple me and maybe you stick choke me and well crap i've never seen that stick choke before so we hug it out and then afterwards we kind of scoot off to the side i'm like dude you've got to show me that because that was super effective and then we talk about that and we make a new connection and things are great you know and and that's so in, in the Filipino martial arts community, we've sort of already started what, doing what we sort of want to do in the HEMA community. But like as a club, we sort of just want to do that totally. Like you, if you make it to the Tipon Tipon in October, I 100% guarantee you're going to have a great time because yeah. everybody there likes to spar and everybody there is playing with a, playing with a blade or a stick. It's, mm-hmm. it's just so, you know, for for some of the stuff you're going to be a little bit out of your element because you know some people that's part of the fun 100 percent. you know the 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 tip that i would bring is uh bring something weird that that we don't see a lot oh yeah yeah like uh bring your full your full size shields i think because we don't we don't play with those yeah my my son and i made a couple like um uh, reproduction, uh, Thegan Thrand, those, those two clowns on, on YouTube. Yes. We made round shields following their recipe with the, <laughs> the linen and the glue and all that stuff. Yeah. So we have a couple of those that we fight with, uh, we spar with like a little bit, but nobody fights with big shields that mm-hmm. they would dig that. that. They would find that so interesting. Oh, I would, I would find that so interesting, but that's the thing is like people, if, if I go to class every week and I fight with one stick or two rattan sticks, that's what I fight with every day. So when you go to Tipon Tipon and you're fighting strangers, I'm going to want to test how good I am with a single stick or two sticks. Well, not two sticks. It's, I, I, don't, I don't try and do that. Yeah. Or with a knife. So we, we generally warm up with a, a knife fight or a dagger fight. Um, and that's a whole bunch of fun. And then your next matches, you can do other things, weird things. Yeah. Invariably your middle stuff. So you'll do, you'll see people do a lot of knife stuff and then you'll see a lot of stuff that people are comfortable with. And then people start hanging, flying their freak flags and doing weird stuff towards the end of the day. You'll see, you'll see spear, you'll see tomahawk. You'll see just all the weird stuff comes out a little bit later. Cause people are like, okay, I've, I've checked my boxes. I've tested myself with the things I want to test. Is that a frying pan? <laughs> <laughs> you know <Frying> <laughs> so, so there needs so to that, be a treatise on the frying pan <laughs> it probably is <laughs> it's probably it's probably a, a walk actually it's probably a chinese treatise probably oh you know what i wouldn't put it past that yeah that'd be cool <laughs> but you know so that's that's kind of like like if you're looking for influences you know you, mm. you kind of have the dog brothers is sort of what everybody holds themselves to and then we try and we try and encourage people getting to that level of, of um, contact. Yeah. But like you say, uh, Lamont and I have always tried to be uh, sort of lead from the front. You know, Lamont very much for me was 
was a um like he was the i i'm a big guy i weigh i weigh 240 pounds right now at like five eight lamont is uh not, not nearly as big as i am uh he's he's um probably I don't know. I'm not even going to hazard a guess. I'm I'm yeah. I'm long past my carnival barker guessing weight days, but um, he's a smaller guy than I am, and he's always been hypermobile. He's always been very fluid with his movements, and from the first day of my martial arts journey with with Pekiti Tercia, I've always tried to replicate or at least uh, emulate his movement styles. And yeah. uh, ten years later, I'm I'm I move a lot like him for a giant guy that's just that's how i conduct myself you know that's my my martial arts journey mm. and so like that's how i test myself is by by doing this kind of thing and and i don't know i i can't remember where i was going with that but it's just <laughs> it's just part of the journey is is taking what you know oh uh like as far as uh how how impact and stuff so yeah, yeah. his movement influenced me his level of contact influenced me. And so now mm -hmm. I try and do the same for other people. Like I try and, I try and, uh, by how I'm willing to engage them energy level wise, that's yeah. how they know, you know? And the one thing that I always also kind of try and make clear is just be careful because the level of energy that you give is the level of energy that I will give. Yeah, and that seems totally natural. I mean, that just kind of yeah. seems like um, the, when that organically happens, all is right, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I will say there is a there is a reset button for a lot of folks, mm -hmm. and that is the thigh shot. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Nobody likes getting hit in the thigh. Like, how how many times have you got hit in the in the forearm? Probably in the hundreds. Yeah, probably. Uh, uh, chest. I, I'm I'm trying this thing lately where I'm trying to fade out, so I I move back, so I don't my feet don't give up a whole bunch of space, but my chest does, so my gets mm. my head out of the way. Mm -hmm. And so I've been taking some shots on the top of the chest a little bit, or yeah. like on the top of my shoulder a little bit, as I'm I don't quite get out enough, and so I'll get clipped a little bit. Those are a hurt, you know. They're not an injury. Yeah. We use the same terminology. It's is really funny that you mentioned that. Oh, wow. Hey, okay, yeah. did, that, did that hurt? Yes. Are you injured? No. Like, <laughs> cool. Well, but, I, I didn't make that up. I heard that and I really liked it. Yeah. No, we, we've adopted the exact same thing. Yeah, I think uh, but, David Hebron was telling Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. He was talking um, with me and that's his thing. He's, he's been to a whole bunch of the T-Pone T-Pones. Yeah, he sure really he's, likes it. He's been we to like were, four or five of them. We were gonna go, he and I, this last time, but it just it just fizzled out. Life just got in the way, and it kind of yeah. sucked. So life always does. Yeah. But but uh, so like I'm I'm trying to get this thing where I'm just barely getting out of distance, so I can I can make my repost faster. You know mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, every once in a while, uh, every once in a while you get clipped on there, and that, that's kind of stingy. Well, you get one good thigh shot on somebody, or or one good thigh shot or just above the, the knee on the, just the outside of that thing, man, that sometimes that makes people talk to God a little bit. And they're like, <laughs> they're, they're going to make some, they're going to make some uh, requests to not get hit there again. 
<laughs> but the thing is, if they're if they're going ham and they're and they're trying to bash your head in or crush in the front of your mask, some some drift shots where you you hit them high and they block, and you hit them high and they block, and then you go whoosh, drop your hand down, you catch them on that leg, you do that two or three times, they'll they'll either go crazy and we'll have to break the fight, or they'll <laughs> turn it down because they realize that they're in deep water and it's not cool to get hit in the thigh all the time. Yeah, no, it's it's not. Oh, I know those leg shots. There's Oof. just there's just something about them. They really sting. They hurt. Oh man, yeah. Um, that's why I really like fighting in a kilt. Yeah, kilts are like they're like this sort of delicious armor that looks good because <laughs> you got all the pleats and stuff like mm-hmm. a, like especially like a well made one, not like a utility kilt. Utility kilts are so thin; they're not. Yeah. Like the ones I really like UT kilts. I don't know if you've ever seen their their company. They're out of Utah. Okay. Uh, they're a poly viscose. You can throw that crap right in the in the washing machine. Oh, good to know. They're so I, I great. Another kilt. Yeah, and they're yeah. like they're like eighty bucks maybe. You uh-huh. can get some of their there's some of their cheaper kind of simpler ones like stuff I would. I've fought in my really nice ones a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the black the black uh, one that I have. Yeah. I think it's like Black Stewart or something. I fight in that all the time, and that's one of their nicer ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their their sort of bargain basementy ones are like sixty bucks. They're huh. super cheap, yeah. and they I've gotten mine in like less than a week sometimes when I've ordered from them. Oh wow! But uh, they're that poly viscose. They're a little bit thicker and stuff. You get you catch one on the thigh or on the hip that normally you'd be like like <laughs> the little tear runs down your face, you know? Yeah. With that that little extra padding, it's nothing. It's it's not as bad nice. at all. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're talking. We're discussing pain. So, um, one one interesting thing is, um, you've got Hema, mm-hmm. and then you've got you guys, you, your group, um, you know, Filipino martial arts, mm-hmm. and we were discussing a little bit before the disparity in what the comfortable level of of pain is. Yeah. And I thought we wanted. Uh, I. I <laughs> Talk about deep water. Uh, let's discuss that for a little bit. Um, okay. Why do you think there is a disparity? I'll just I'll just uh, toss that to you first, and I have some thoughts on it. I have a fascinating answer that is super easy. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, it is a tolerance for risk. Yeah, okay. Say more. Say more. Keep going. So within the FMA community, for the most part... It's not quite thuggery because these guys are way smarter than that. Yeah. But there's a risk for injury or there's a tolerance for risk for injury that is 100% accepted. Hmm. And like to really test yourself, if you're, if you're terrified of getting injured, not hurt, if you're terrified of getting injured, then that uh, sparring session is going to be more real to you, Mm -hmm. right? Like that whole higher higher consciousness through harder contact thing, Um, that whole dog brothers mantra uh, Mm -hmm. for the people that are are, that are down with that, um, testing yourself to a high level can only be done if you're kind of terrified of getting your hand broken. And so at the highest levels, do you remember the, um, 
sort of the original gangster uh, fencing masks that were a little more than like screen door mesh and canvas. Yeah. Like the really crappy ones mm-hmm. compared to the stuff now is like pretty good. Like especially yeah. the, three, the three weapon stuff like I use and you probably use them, you know, mm-hmm. the original gangster ones that were like, like a white canvas hoops and, and kind of this sort of crunchy looking. Mm-hmm. Those and um, like work gloves there are guys that fight at dog brothers with that. <laughs> you know, I make a pretty good living wage and, uh, it's based on my hands, like to be able to right. sew somebody together to make a plastic closure. So their scar looks really well. Uh, I have to have as much dexterity as I can, as I can muster yeah. my, um, tolerance for risk is for my hands is almost zero. Mm-hmm. So anytime that I spar, I wear almost the best gloves that I can find. Yeah, and Similar I for me. and I always cover my my elbows because I'm enough of a physiology nerd to know that if you blow up my uh, my nerves in the back of my arm, I will similarly be hosed and unabil- unable to do my job. Yeah. So I don't wear hard armor on the arms. Uh, you know those uh, little hex armor pads, or they like have knee pads that are like little foam yeah. hexes. I've taken full boy shots on the elbow with those little foamy things, and they have um, been very, very, very effective at attenuating that. So I, I find that a relatively high level of, uh, uh, or an acceptable level of protection. Yeah. So uh, what I like that's my personal thing. I think for for some people, they want to feel that fear of of flirting with injury. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part and partial to the whole Dog Brothers culture. And I think it tends to be part, sort of somewhat, at least somewhat identified to a lot of FMA, the higher level fighters in FMA, I should say. Yeah, okay. Um, I think there's also a gear situation so um and that i could be i could be way off but my my personal understanding is so like the s the sca society for creative anachronism Mm -hmm. they're very risk averse yeah um their their uh uh, cut and thrust stuff and and stuff their tolerance for touch or for for contact is somehow even lower than the more conservative parts of hema right which which is fine. Which is fascinating because those guys are, are a problem. They're 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 higher level guys that we have even just locally. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't know where these guys would rank nationally. They just mess us up all the time. Like they're they're wow. master rapier fighters and stuff. And you know, they're just one rapier is a hard weapon to deal with. Yeah. Two, sure. if you're if you're good with it, you're a hard person to deal with. Like it's a super great weapon. Like it's literally why it's one of the the weapons that are highly regarded as a as a fencing master's weapon. Yeah, it's a it's it's like an OP mono mono weapon. Like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and if you and if you speak that language, now you're even better, right? Like it's a very very good weapon. So they've always had this really uh, high level of uh, risk aversion, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they have the, uh, which is kind of ironic because uh, if you say that you're an SCA heavy fighter, everybody knows you can take a punch, <laughs> right? Like, 
because those guys just wail on each other. They're they're not quite the EMP maniacs, uh-huh. but but EMP or um, SCA heavy fighters are pretty much renowned for just being tanks. Like yeah. those guys can can take a beating and keep on going. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of another thing that you have that that weird dichotomy of once you get to steel, now they're hyper cognizant of risk. Well, I don't know, like current modern HEMA people like where they came from or why they have the risk aversion that they have. But I, I kind of have this feeling like that it comes from a couple different places. Like one, um, it feels like there's a little bit of an education thing. Whereas the FMA stuff and karate and MMA and, and stuff is sort of, dare I say, blue collar right like that's that's a good way to put it like like two kids rustling in the dirt and hurting each other and like then they hug and then they're good whereas two kids in college you know with helicopter moms um yeah you know they're just different they're they're used to a different level of uh violence violence yeah Yeah. and so and so i think yeah and, and you know coming back to the the um the rift that has happened in Pacific Northwest HEMA. Um, I'm not going to use specific names, but there's, there's a personality that has a reputation for um, being very uh, like speaking to the martial viability of, of HEMA skill and kind of calling people on the carpet. Like you're going to, you're going to do this little touchy thing on somebody's arm and you're going to give him a point for that like that that might nick him but it's not a martially viable cut and i have to say that i'm 100 percent, i'm 100 percent on board with that but at the same time back to the thing of, of respecting somebody's journey mm-hmm. like i have to also understand that there's people that don't have a tolerance for getting hit that hard you know yeah he was the, a very interesting community there's other things <clears throat> anyway keep it, going it, and i'll 100 is so then even even more bizarre than the sort of two sides of HEMA of the people that want to be martially viable and hit relatively hard and the people that want to be uh, technical-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the guys that are doing LED sabers, right? Yeah. You have, you have the, uh, the um, saber lesion folks. And those guys are uh, risk-averse for a different reason, which is I, I find pretty fascinating. So, uh, historically, like if we're talking about gear, uh, historically, uh, Filipino martial arts would have, uh, hockey gloves, uh, and a fencing mask and a cup. (laughs) (laughs) That's the Holy Trinity of FMA protection, right? Uh, uh, HEMA adds a gambeson and, and then now people come up with really nice gloves and then like, Ooh, did you see those hard elbow protectors? Ooh, check. Ooh, uh, you know, if somebody gets stabbed in the throat, how about a gorget? Ooh, that's a good idea. Right. You know, you have you have FMA, Filipino martial arts, that are attacking people and stabbing with uh, aluminum knives or rattan sticks at speed, and they don't give a crap where they hit people. They hit them in the throat. They hit them wherever, and they're they're not they're not looking for more pieces of armor to make it safer. Whereas yeah. Hema Hema a hundred percent is. 
hundred percent is. And, and then like, you know, your, your sword has to be such and such flexible and your gamson has to be such and such penetration proof, blah, blah, blah. Well, then you have the led saber people for saber legion and they're like, okay, you need hard, all this hard armor protection, right? Like you literally have to have back of spine, hard armor protection. Really? And yeah. And chest, hard armor, shoulders, like, um, one of the bargain basement, uh, uh, Saber Legion kit out things is to get a, a motocross chest gear rig. Mm-hmm. So you got the chest piece, the black back spine piece and the shoulders piece. And then you have like, uh, I think you have to have hard forearms, hard knees and lower legs, gloves and a mask at bad back of head protection. So it's it's kind of an up armored Humvee version of what oh. you're supposed to have in HEMA, yeah. But <laughs> I will give them I will give them a, a reason why. Okay. Their sword sucks. It is literally an acrylic tube. Okay. So yeah. where whereas HEMA has a blunted steel spring steel blade mm-hmm. that can flex quite a bit and stuff, you're literally attacking somebody with a piece of a, a, a circular or tubular piece of acrylic plastic that has a pretty high, well, I wouldn't say high. It has the ability to shatter in some place and make a shard of plastic. Yeah. Okay. So right. I sort of, I sort of get it. I, 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 I will say that I've sparred in like a t-shirt and uh, my gloves and a mask. Yeah pretty damn hard against people that swing for the fences and we have yet to break one of our lightsabers i'm huh. led sabers sorry disney spine protection i but is but that yeah of all the spin moves <laughs> i mean why do you need spine <laughs> protection <laughs> i am not here to judge right I, <laughs> it looks great it it's looks super mesmerizing cool. and yeah. it is cool and hey i am a star wars nerd i'm an og star wars nerd so you april know. 29th we're doing a thing at our at our school like you, okay you, you can come hit people with lightsabers that's that's led the, sabers led, LED sabers. sabers with the right. led sabers yeah um <laughs> yeah could you beep every time i say the other word could you beep uh, that out <laughs> Oh man, I'd have to be so disciplined. <laughs> yeah, no, they're LEDs. You were you've yes. misspoken. They're LED. I have. Stars. I have. Yeah, so anyway, but but so a little bit of it is philosophy. So you have you have this higher consciousness through harder contact thing, and then a little bit of it is cultural, where you have these college kids that have never been in a fist fight, uh, learning how to longsword fight, and yeah, then which is and weird. then a little bit of it is is shitty gear. Or, or bad gear, sorry, mm-hmm. pardon me, whatever language that was. You have bad gear that necessitates their level of, of uh, striking and, and armor. Mm-hmm. So in their own way, sort of each sword culture, well, whatever, whatever you want to call it, each right. piece has their own, uh, their own way um, uh, of limiting or of tolerating uh, what a hard attack is. And it's for a pretty interesting reason. Um, what yeah. I what I think is interesting is, um, I consider it personally a great accomplishment when I can install a dial on one of my fighters. Because mm-hmm. so I have an SCA heavy guy 
who uh, was also doing some cut and thrust uh, rapier and um, parrying dagger stuff. He's he's an amazing fighter. No matter you put a single like a rattan stick in his hand, he's a problem. You put a knife in his hand, he's a problem. You put a rapier and a, a parrying dagger in his hand, he's a serious problem. Like he's just a good fighter. That guy would be a good fighter no matter what weapon system he has. He's aggressive. He's fast. He's very athletic, right? And he was an SCA heavy, so he could take a punch. Like he's yeah. he's got he's got a lot of stuff going on. It was really hard when we were first when we were first working with him to to kind of communicate to him like, dude, you can you need to take it back a little bit sometimes. Like you don't always have to go ham. And it's been really yeah. awesome seeing him fight with some of these people, like going to T-Pon T-Pon, mm-hmm. like it was, it sounds stupid. And it's sort of, it, I don't mean it in any way yeah, other than the greatest honor, but it was like this proud Papa moment when he convinced this other dude that didn't want, he'd never stick fought before. Yeah. And, and my guy goes out and he's fighting with this guy his very first stick fight and he's like KG around he's like bop you know and having a good time and like playing to this guy's level and 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 like that whole uh ambassadorship of hey come to this cool thing that i like and instead of just like i'm gonna obliterate you but but more like hey this is fun isn't this fun bop oh hey good shot on me you know like without being a without being like a oh yeah good shot you know, or, or, or like hanging his arm out there, hit it. Oh, good one. You know, like being sort of, uh, um, uh, what, what am I trying to say? Like, um, talking down to the guy, mm-hmm. you know, like, but like, like having a good time and having helping this guy have a good time and, and, and helping foster this budding, maybe love for this kind of weird ass, sparring right? like <laughs> like what we do is bizarre to most of humanity yeah right and so like, why would was, you do that on purpose <laughs> on purpose right <laughs> and, and like why would you waste a whole saturday yeah. and, but that's kind of the cool thing is to see this guy who i knew was an amazing fighter now become a martial artist and now have the skill and the poise and the restraint to play at whatever level he needs to play Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't have to teach him how to fight. That was there. Right. You know, I didn't even I, like I've taught him like some skilly kind of stuff, you know, like, like it's different uh, uh, broadsword things or some things in the FMA stuff, you know, he, and he gets it. But I didn't have to make him a good fighter. But but helping him find himself as a martial artist and and helping him find a dial. Yeah. So he could turn it up when he needed to turn it up. Like he, he, no BS got Spartan kicked across the floor one time by <laughs> that. He was, he was a same kind of thing. This guy had, wasn't a, a very experienced stick fighter. And my buddy was just taking him apart. And, and because like this guy was aggressive and he was hitting hard when he was hitting hard, but uh, he was like doing things that uh, a kickboxer would do that had okay. sticks in his hand like so he was kicking and he was like moving and you know when we we were teaching him like it's when you have two sticks in your hand jab jab cross like <laughs> it, yeah. it you can run two sticks like you box and this guy's like oh okay 
And so he's, he's fighting my friend like this. And my friend realizes, oh, I need to be a little better. I need to turn it up a little bit because this guy's, his kickboxing is coming through with the stick. So now I need to turn my stick fighting up. So he did. And this guy started kind of getting blown out. Well, he just switched it into Muay Thai mode. And, <laughs> and he, he, he straight up, this is Sparta kicked my buddy <laughs> like across the mat. <laughs> and it was just like, whoa, you know, it, it was that, that thing of being able to ratchet it up. Like this guy would hit a little bit harder and this guy would hit a little bit harder. And then, you know, they had a good fight and they hugged it out and they've been, they've been conversing and, you know, talking ever since, but two fights before that was the fight where he was fighting that guy that had never fought before. Yeah. You know? And so to see him, to see him at, at level two, fighting this totally new guy and then to see him at at seven start to smoke this guy and then he gets like he gets like booted and then see him turn it up to nine because now he had to like now he had to kind of protect himself a little bit yeah yes that's exactly what we're looking for right like like to help people find that Mm -hmm. instead of blowing away the guy at a two with a nine and blowing away the other guy with a nine, you know, just straight out of the gate. Yeah. Like it was just, re- it's a really cool thing. So uh, I don't know, long, long, long winded story, but. Well, but it makes it fun. Yeah. It's no, that, thank you for the story. That's uh, yeah, no, I, I, I like examples like that. Um, I, you know, did uh, that answer your question by the way? Yeah, I, I, I think so. And uh, I kind of wanted to, to circle back to the beginning of the question, which was, you know, why, um, do and it's not all, but a lot of a lot of HEMA clubs, a lot of HEMA fighters. Why is there threshold uh, or uh, risk for pain? Why is it so low? And uh, so um, I had uh, recently a, a really cool discussion with um, with another uh, interview, and cool. uh, he yeah, and he brought up this term. Uh, let me try to remember the term. It was uh, physical literacy. I really mm-hmm. liked that term. And this guy, he's very scholarly. And, you know, during the interview, he has, you know, lots of, um, um, you know, huge bookshelf, like in the back, like literal books, bookshelf, the whole screen. So I thought, man, that's that's cool because I grew up in a house like that. But um, yeah. anyway, um, and, and he was very scholarly. And, you know, he has been doing HEMA for a very, very long time. And um, well, at any rate, um, I just think a lot of people who get into HEMA uh, a lot of them do approach it from kind of an archaeological sort of scholarly way that they, they want to participate in it. Yeah. And, you know, maybe more bookish, maybe didn't do a whole lot of athletic sports, you know, growing up. And just that that uh, that uh, physical literacy just isn't as uh, learned <laughs> as, uh, you know, people who grow up kind of wrestling in the dirt and, you know, stick yeah. biting and punching each other in the face and laughing afterwards. I mean... You know, that that may seem brutish to, you know, a lot of outsiders or people who just aren't used to that sort of thing. But yeah. it, it certainly you learn, right? You you get acquainted with pain. You realize, hey, the world's not coming to an end. Yeah. Pain is just pain. I'm fine. You know, I'm going through this thing. And, you know, I really like what you were saying about uh, everyone has their own journey. Yeah. And you have to respect people's journey. If someone really doesn't want to participate in that level of pain with you, well, you're kind of a jackass if you're making them do it, you know? 110%. 110%. Yeah. 
yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, and so you you have to be very respectful for people. But anyway, um, secondly, I think well, one, I think that um, for for people practicing HEMA who are afraid of 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 that pain, most of them are probably newer. Um, and they kind of get acquainted as they as they go along. I mean, it is I, I would say that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So we we tell our new students we encourage you to spar, but we do not require it. Yeah. Initially, mm-hmm. I would say I will. I would not encourage. Well, what's what's the proper? I would not look start looking to promote somebody to an instructor rank if they didn't fight. Right. Like that, that's just kind of like how I'm how at. How could you? Right. So um, if you want to fight padded sticks, um, that's fine. I'm, I'm still not going to promote you. Like the risk, the, the pain risk, I think is an important one. It's It sounds yeah. stupid, but I, I 100% agree with you. Like if you start sparring at a low level and you get used to it, and the owies become ouchies, and the ouchies become hey, and then the hey becomes oh that was great. You're there. You've 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 arrived, right? Yeah. And I think I think that's a sort of a natural evolution of of how it goes. Honestly, I, I mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's how it went for me because when we first like, and as a club to be totally fair, we when I started, the first level of sparring was padded stick sparring. And yeah, um, right. When so like a Moulinet or we have a we have an attack we call a Wetik, where it's you I can't it's probably got some fancy German name, but you from here you attack with the flat of the weapon either either way or yeah, I mean there's okay. a couple different ways you can do it. Call a Wetik and it's usually you're like you're moving out of the way and you hit him on the side of the head, kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um I it, it's got a fancy name with a long sword and I can't I can't it's it's totally like Yeah, it's Virchow. You're like Yeah, I'm I'm not a I'm not you a long switch sword. Switch your grip into the well, you switch yeah. your, well, I don't have right, a sword right. in my hand, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How dare you, sir? Yeah. But but um like that that we tick kind of thing, um it's it's stingy, right? Mm. And and you're like Okay, that that's cool. But when you're using uh, like a classic, when we were kids, boffer sword, you got your half inch PVC with the pipe on it. Yeah. Well, you do that little wee tick thing. Your your stick is like, and then you know comes up straight, and and you're trying to be cagey and moving your stick around, and it's like you're swinging a noodle at somebody. <laughs> well, that's not cool. So we started. Uh, Lamont got some uh, solid nylon rod. Oh yeah. Because it was still bendy still mm-hmm. super bendy and yeah. then you put you put pipe insulation on it that makes a great padded stick and it's a lot it's a lot more uh flexible than rattan mm-hmm. it's got a big soft padded thing except it's kind of heavy and it sort of hits like a car yeah so yeah, right i would rather fight somebody with rattan and get a little stick hickey and it's maybe it stings for a couple days yeah. than this huge dog bite looking bruise because you give somebody a solid nylon rod and it's covered in foam you just gave them permission to tee off and swing as hard as they can yep exactly and if you give somebody a a trade-off huh if you give somebody a rattan stick 
there's almost initially, especially there's almost a reticence to hit as hard as you can. Yeah. Because I think, I think like based on a previous conversation a little bit, uh, if you hit me really hard, I'm going to hit you really hard. Mm-hmm. And so there's that Judeo Christian thing of, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to do unto others, you know? Yeah. But if you got a padded stick, eh, it's, it's a padded stick. What's the worst that can happen? Right. Well, it's like getting hit with a car, right? Like it's really <laughs> a significant whack. Yeah. And you, so you follow through a lot more with the, with the, yeah. Yeah. Padded thing. And, and so that's, I think that's part of that. Like when, when I first started, we had those, those padded sticks like that. And now we only use those for very particular training modalities. Mm-hmm. Like, um, if, play we're trying to move from from drill based stuff to kind of play things like game gamify training yeah yeah the so doing some really really interesting stuff with that i'm i'm like it's literally so hanging on the coattails of him he's he's doing some really interesting things well i i'll be honest with you i think he's on to something i mean that's that's kind of we do something very similar so um you know even with the adults when they're new uh usually they don't have gear and they come in, and um, first thing I do is I hand them like a foam sword, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, so I have them play with the foams for a little bit, and uh, you know, and we use them when we do um, like group fights and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 a great uh, methodology for for like sandbox learning, you know, like you say that yeah. like, like playing around. Um, and it also helps them get acquainted with getting hit. Yeah. Uh, and, um, also with, with HEMA, I mean, I, I do get a lot of people who don't really consider themselves martial artists, right? They, they, sure. A lot of them haven't done other stuff. Um, not even really a whole lot of sports. And so they're getting stronger. So they do swing a little bit harder with these foamies and, uh, yeah. And so they kind of get. A little bit more amped, a little bit more exercise. Yep. They're hitting each other. They're following through, and um, the bind is actually really good with with foam swords. Um, do you do the uh, uh, cloth covered uh, foam swords? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I actually i i get the um, the the Buhert soft armor stuff. Okay. Um, and uh, you know they're pretty inexpensive. It's just they're made in Eastern Europe. And it takes a little bit to get them here, but you know they're 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 fairly inexpensive, except for the helmets. You know, helmet is like 120 bucks, 110 bucks, or whatever. Interesting. Um, and, and then they're they're grilled. Yeah. So you can't use them with sticks or steel because it'll go through. So yeah. that's the only thing about them. They're kind of specialized. But yeah. um, but that's how I run my kid class. Um, is is in that gear, and it works really good. But anyway, uh, I get them acquainted to the idea of getting hit so physiologically they're sort of getting used to the idea mentally they're like hey i'm getting hit i'm not getting injured it's a little inconvenient it's like i don't want to just sit there and take it and then i move them up to sticks and from there they buy their own steel like i don't provide steel in my club like a lot of other hema clubs do i provide sticks i provide synthetics and i provide uh, foamies that and so i kind of that's how i build them up yeah yeah that's great that's really cool. Uh, those yeah. uh, those silk fencing uh, sabers. We mm-hmm. I bought a pair uh, right after you told me about them, and I, I waited the requisite six months or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it seemed like I ordered them, and then like the next calendar year I got them. It, it was yeah. pretty bonkers, but I love them. They're they're really great. Um, 
and like you said, I could see owning like four more or something just to be able to give everybody one and, and yeah. just play at a really weird light level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're, they're pretty cool. And you know, the synthetics, they, uh, some of them kind of hit like clubs too. Like, like just what yeah. you, were, you were saying. And it, it's a little bit weird. Like they, they, I think they hit harder than the steel, the steel bites. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think it, and it's just like rattan. It's just like yeah. rattan versus foam. The, the, like the plastic, the white plastic, uh, purple heart armory stuff uh-huh. looks great. Love it. Love it for drills. The, the classic Highland basket is really great. Like they did a good job with how it looks. Um, and if you're kind of going light, it's totally fine. But you start swinging a little bit hard. One, it, for whatever reason, it seems heavier than the other one. Yeah. But two, it, like I said, it hits, it hits kind of hard. I would totally rather fight steel. Yeah. Just, just, it's, uh, it's just, like you say, it's bitier, but it's not as like clonk. It's not as whatever yeah. that is, whatever physics are involved. Right. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not smart enough to know, but it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Materials are interesting, aren't they? Um, there's something really cool about steel and uh, there's nothing quite like it. Although for new students, it might be a bridge too far mm-hmm. at the very beginning for them to get into steel. Some people can take it, um, but I don't know. I yeah, find if I build them up, they stick around longer. So what I've done or what I've started doing uh, with a couple of my newer students is if we're drilling or um, I was fanboying for you earlier talking about how I like your seven cuts drill so much. <laughs> if we're doing that kind of stuff, there is nothing cooler on planet earth than handing a brand new HEMA student, a steel sword and then telling him we're going to do this drill. And they're like huge anime eyes. And they're like, (laughs) they're doing this real sword work with a real sword. And you're like, cool. Now, since you don't have the gear and stuff, what we're going to do is we're going to use this other sword and we're going to go through the thing. And they're like, Mm. totally get it. They buy it. Right. Like, I mean, it's not like I'm trying to sell them to something that's crazy, but they understand. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're sort of saying, here's this cool thing that we're going to do. And you hand them a steel sword and you're like, all right, now let's practice and let's play with it with something a little bit safer than this. Yeah. And plus I've kind of noticed, I don't know about your guys, but like, if we're just kind of light play, like something less than, than, than our monthly sparring. Cause we, we spar the first Monday of every month, mm-hmm. which you're invited to, too, by the way, if you have a weird Monday, oh, that you man, just happen to be a few hundred miles away in the tri cities, <laughs> The first Monday of every month is uh, open yeah. sparring. We we invite anybody to, to come spar with us. Man, that's so cool. <laughs> but anyway, a flying car, so I get there fast. <laughs> the Tesla soon they'll they'll come out with it. <laughs> but um, you know, with that, with anything lighter than just like regular sparring, um, just kind of like playing around. They don't put gamasons on. They. Like unless I unless I'm they they start to ramp up their intensity I'm like hey, you're you're not just screwing around now you're now you're sparring get your get your gear on, but you know I'll have them put gloves on I'll have them put a mask on like at the at the bone minimum yeah and then um, sometimes elbows, but for the most part that's you know that's kind of like their own personal level of I let them know that I I kind of like I expect you guys to have all the armor that you're supposed to have on. But again, Tri Cities, hundred and some time degrees in the summertime. Sometimes, oh, yeah. like, you know, like, 
catcher's le- catcher's legs and hard arm caps and a gambeson and stuff. Like, don't forget your Gatorade. <laughs> you know, but but if you're just playing, if you're just like maybe you're going through the um, uh, Terrence Society has a drill. Uh, it's a, they're the, they're doubling exercises. Uh, you attack me with a seven. I Saint George. Yeah. And then I attack you with a, a seven. And then like, so we go back and forth. Yeah. And then I attack you with a one, you defend with an outside and then I attack you with a two and then we switch those mm-hmm. kind of things. Yeah. Those are cool. Those are great. They don't necessarily need all of the armor. Right. You know? And then what we, what I kind of do is I'll, I'll do one of those as a block of instruction and then uh, we'll do constrained sparring. So, uh, say we do, uh, the, I do a one, you do a two. So then you and I will spar. I can only do ones and you can only do twos. Oh, cool. Right. So then you're reinforcing, you're reinforcing the drill that you just did. Uh-huh. And, and it gets you used to, uh, you know, blocking on the outside, on a, on an outside and then reposting maybe, or, or whatever, like whatever. But, it helps reinforce that, that drill, Yeah. which I, I have to say, that's something I'm kind of working on. Like, again, back to the, the struggles of the, of the new uh, instructor. Like, I don't know how to write a lesson plan. I don't know how to like, how do I form out a school, a, a class or, you know, whatever. And so I, I'm kind of like for months, I've sort of been like, you basically, regurgitate a bunch of thing into your hand, throw it on the wall and whatever sticks is what the class looks like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes in my self-defense class, it'll be sometimes as easy as, uh, I'll see something on, um, YouTube and I'll be like, "Mm, that's super great. And then, and then I bring it to class and then we, and then we experiment with it. I will say for my, my, my self-defense class, um, I'm sort of a facilitator. I'm not necessarily an instructor. I don't think, I mean, I have probably the most martial arts experience in the class, but we explore topics. I have things that I want in that curriculum. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, like I'm not the perfect person to teach you to how how to punch throw a right cross, or I'm not the guy that's going to show you how to do the perfect, whatever kind of choke. Yeah. But but like self-defense kind of stuff or like a broad overview or, Hey, let's explore what knife grappling looks like. I can 100% help with that. And so mm-hmm. I, that class tends to be a lot more collaborative. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to try and make it a lot more regimented. So we'll have like a warm up. What I'm kind of my next iteration of it is going to be like a 10 minute warm up, a 10 minute specific skill, and then the remainder of the class play. Yeah. Like kind of leaning back into Lamont's thing of just like playing with whatever skill that we that we did. And then for the broadsword class, um, uh, I'm going to start leaning back into, I would just people, cause I had so many new people, you have to go through all of the, the bone basics. You do. And that's kind of, you know, you want the new people in there cause it makes things exciting. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if you had a lesson plan, okay, we were going to do this thing. They're totally lost. Yeah. And then what do you do? Now you got a bifurcated class and people. Yeah. Just, yeah. So it's, it's rough. What, what I'm planning on doing for that is now the newest one of my people has an okay grasp of the basics. 
And so now I'm going to start leading back in. So our, I can't remember if I mentioned this or not. Our um, instructorship certification came through the Kateran Society. And uh, Christopher Thompson has written a, a few books and he kind of has a guideline for how, how you get your instructorships. Mm. And there's like five levels of instructorship. And so I'm going to start running through his curriculum and try and get my people up. So everybody's an instructor. Like, yeah, it's my school. Sure. But I don't, I don't have to be the only instructor. Like right. I don't, I, you know, it, it is one of those things like in every, in every club, probably in your club. Uh, do you guys have ranks? Not in my adult class. Uh, and that's something that I actually want to happen. Mm. Um, Cause there's certainly people who have stepped up, who have been there longer, who help out new people uh-huh. and who really demonstrate excellence. Right. And so you want to recognize those people. I haven't quite figured out honestly how to do that. My, my yeah. kids class, I, I have definite ranks mm-hmm. um, just because I, I follow a, 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 a borrow from a curriculum um, the old modern sword fighting and then i overlaid my own thing on there yeah um but you know i mean if you're a grown adult doing you know steel swords i mean you're gonna say oh yeah i'm a lancer at the blade fit academy you know people like what is that you know like so so you larp like what's going on nothing against larp that's not what we do in class it's just not i I larp i larp for a whole summer um with my son and his and his buddy uh-huh. I'll tell you, man, those guys fought asses and elbows for four hours a day. It was bonkers. It was like the worst yeah. CrossFit class I'd ever been to because <laughs> you're in armor. And, yeah. and I had a, uh, you know, they helped us make all our kit. So uh-huh. I have a um, somewhere. I don't even know where it is. It's like a three inch foam uh, target shield. Yeah. And a, and a um a uh, basket hilted uh, sword that I made out of a golf club. Oh. I, it was great. It was so much fun, but I'll be damned if I wasn't just smoked after that thing. Cause yeah. those guys didn't give up. Like they were just fighting the whole time. It was, it was great. Nice. I have no, nice. I have no hate for LARPing again, yeah. more sword nerd stuff, right? Like sure. there are different kinds of sword jocks than we are. And that's, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, throwing the magic, throwing the magic tennis tennis balls at me was a little much. Like, yeah, when it gets to that, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, I, I'm for the for the physical contest. Not you, me, both. That's what they they said. Yeah. Um, okay, you're a barbarian. I'm like, I've been called that a bunch of times. So <laughs> I know. Yes, I am. <laughs> so my grandma always said, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, oh, there was something I was going to go with that though. Um, ranks we were talking ranks about. yeah so yeah. at blackbird uh the first rank that you have is the instructor rank so in in piquiti tercia oh, like that yeah in piquiti tercia you have um because everything happens in threes right yeah okay. you have you have kind of like your first ranks which is your your, your um like your your literally your first three introduction ranks to the system and then you have your second three ranks sort of your intermediate and then the next one is, uh, it's called Lakanguro. It's um, sort of like associate instructor. Mm-hmm. And that's that's your your black belt. Like a Lakanguro okay. is the first level where you can actually teach. And then Guro is, Guro, whatever you want to, however you want to anglicize it, uh, is your is the first full instructor rank. And then there's, there's other 
for the most part, it becomes a like instructor of an area, instructor of a region, or yeah. somebody that oversees a a big chapter of schools or whatever. And so, <clears throat> but but yeah. Anyway, the the first rank is just an instructor rank. Mm-hmm. So that's that's almost how I would I would sort of recommend you do your school because that's one of the things is uh, you just have like. Uh, have it a junior instructor, a senior instructor, master instructor. You know what? I like that. And I, and I like the idea of everyone should be giving back. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, you know, you want this thing to go full round. Yeah, I, I'll, so I'll look into that. I'm uh, this, this what's the, what's this year? 23 this yeah, September, yeah. I'm going to be 48 years old. Okay. And you know, uh, this past probably like, over the last six months or so, I've lost 40 pounds and I've really started to take care of my fitness and I've I've been, I've been treating myself a lot, a heck of a lot better, you know, and I'm a good headspace and and all this kind of stuff. I'm trying to make some headway with the school and, you know, all these kinds of things that I've in a way kind of been putting off. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I've kind of decided to to, to try and make some headway. And the other weekend when we, when we went to T-Pone T-Pone, I was like, I'm almost 50. And I'm driving four hours to go fight strangers. <laughs> right? Like, like that's not super normal for a 25 year old, much less the guy, much less the guy that's staring down the barrel of 50. Yeah. And I was super proud of that though. Cause like to, to keep myself in a, in a physical spot where I'm, I, I can, I can hang with these people that are, you know, half my age sometimes. Um, generally not it. Actually, to be honest, uh, at least in our school, our school skews kind of old. Probably our average student is thirty-five years old. Wow. We have a couple people that are that are older, but um, that's pretty I, cool, actually. I mean, or a couple people that are younger, but um, for the most part, where we skew pretty old. Yeah. Um, a bunch of our our students have belts and other stuff, um, things like that. Mm-hmm. But 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 for me personally, again, my personal journey. Um, I'm almost 50 and I'm like, how much longer do you want to do this? And it was, you know, those moments of introspection when you're, when you're just sort of sitting there drinking your coffee in the morning before you go to work and you're just thinking about the world and your place in it. And I was, I was like, it was the Friday before I was going up to the the thing. And I was like, how much longer do you want to do this? And immediately my brain was like, as long as we can. Right. Like, like, yeah, just like, I'll just pull back the energy. I'll just get technical. I'll just, you know, I'll always, as long as I can, I'll always do this until my, my joints won't let me, you know, because it's, I won't say it's like a central part of me, but it's, it's something I enjoy so much. And I enjoy teaching people so much that I don't want it to not be a part of me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I never have ever, ever, ever thought, man, I can't wait till I'm too old to do this, <laughs> you know? And, and so like with, I think with age and birthday cake poisoning comes a certain amount of uh, introspection, right? And, and you start, you start yeah. looking at stuff a little bit different. And uh, that's kind of my thing is like, was like this weird realization that I do something as a hobby at a relatively medium to high level that not a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And I get immense pleasure out of it, even when, much like you, I hate that. I hate the hurt. I hate it so much. 
but at the same time, the, I'm pretty okay at it. So I don't get hurt a lot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I, I really have to tangle with some guys that are pretty damn good. And then, and then I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm not as good as I thought. Right. <laughs> like, like some of the guys, some of the guys that I, that I, uh, play with on the regular, even like from my club, I get, I get entangled worse at my club than I do when I go other places. Yeah. Cause our guys are pretty damn good. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's, that's my favorite part of the whole thing. I'll go, I'll that's go so cool. and I'll play other places and I'm more worried about some of the guys that I fight with every, every month because they're just, they're a, really a problem and it's, but it's that fun. Like that's what keeps you coming back. And that's what, mm-hmm. well, boy, he tore my hand up. I got to start. I got to, I'm going to look at video and you're like, you like watch you're like, Oh, I think I'm just not, you know, whatever, whatever it is. You're like, okay, I'm going to change that. And then you change it or, or you don't, you know, I need to get faster or I need to, whatever it is. And I, and I think that's, that's part of that whole journey thing, you know, Mm -hmm. but it, but it kind of comes back to that. Like, where do I want to be as a martial artist and and where do I want to go? And, and how do I, how do I give back and all of the things like there's, there's this really interesting philosophical part of, of being a martial arts nerd that turns into the martial arts instructor, you know, like, yeah, I, I think you're, if you're in it for long enough, you sort of realize that, that you're, you're in this really cool journey, but at the same time, you can bring this really cool journey to other people. Yeah. Cause there's nothing like it. There's nothing like this. I've it's super weird. Regular sports. I've done rock climbing. I've done skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've done a lot of different hobbies and phases just because I get bored easy. Mm-hmm. But I have never gotten tired of hitting people with swords and getting hit with swords. <laughs> right. Yeah. I cannot imagine the day when I'm not looking forward to the next event where I get to I get to do martial arts with weapons, you know, with friends yeah. and with strangers. It's yeah. just so cool and it's this like you're saying it it's and 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 i'll say i'll say the s word it's a very spiritual type of experience yeah right yeah and uh you know because because you could play the mind games right like oh if this was real you would have just taken my hand or Mm -hmm. you know i would have died i would have killed you immediately and i would have languished in the fields somewhere you know, the only way that people would know that I was there is because I was screaming in agony. Yeah, and yeah. Delight, delight. You know, dumb stuff like that. But beyond that, it's I don't know how to to put words to it, so I won't try. Other than it's just it harkens to a deep part of the human experience that I think the modern uh, environment offers less and less all the time, and it's just so primal. And it's something that everybody needs to experience at least some small part of what we do. I, I think, believe that to my core. I, I 100% agree with you. I think, um, I cannot remember who said it. it, it it's, it's one of the, the great philosophers. And it was like um, something to the effect that every man should see what their body is capable of. And I, I would, I would be less chauvinistic and say every person, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, but 
um because there there are certainly some uh some of the girls in our club that would give virtually any dude a problem there's some tough ladies <laughs> for real and and the, you know but i think i think you do yourself a disservice um and you know again i'm kind of an old school guy and i'm a, i'm an old guy and i always have always thought that um for me and my personal journey, not not saying what anybody else should do, I have always thought that I should take care of my family. And part of taking care of my family would be was is also being able to take care of myself, mm. in 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 especially in situations uh, physicality, right? Being able to physically take care of my family and myself in mm. in some sort of weird situation. And I, I imagine, I imagine Sigmund Freud could show up and tell me exactly where where that's coming from in my <laughs> in my psyche or my or my family background or whatever. But um, that's always been pretty important to me. And the, the the huge irony is, I mean, I've always been a a big, relatively physical guy. I wrestled heavyweight in high school, so I mean, I'm only twenty pounds away from my high school weight right now. Oh, well. uh, people didn't mess with me when I was a high school varsity heavyweight wrestler. They never messed with, with me after I graduated high school, never messed with me in college. And, you know, like how, why is it such a central piece of me to only ever get better at that kind of stuff? Like I'm, I'm a gun nerd. I'm a knife nerd. I'm a sword nerd. And, and like yes. the nerd, the nerd part is always like extra, right? Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a gun guy. I'm a knife guy. I'm a sword guy, but the nerd part is where I make the transition of not just having a whole bunch and talking about the ones that I have, but, but being somewhat of an aficionado, like knowing what I know and like trying to seek classes and education. And I, the knife that I carry, I carry for a very specific purpose and I carry a very specific one in a very specific way. I, I, the swords that I have, like I will hundred percent out myself. I have one that sits right next to my bed and it's a very specific one. It's for a very specific purpose that, that I can use a very specific way. Yeah. Right. Like that's the nerd part. But, um, the other cool thing that's happened there is I've taken uh, law enforcement combatives instructor training. I've taken uh, like pistol shooting classes. I've taken like, like I've sought education in all these things that like the amount of money that I've done, I've spent on training is stupid <laughs> and I don't make a dime. Like the, the Blackbird training group is not my school. The, the Blackfeather Broadsword Academy. Um, I, I don't take a dime like all in, in fact i probably just hemorrhage money like i buy <laughs> i buy patches i buy stickers i do yep. like some people pay me for some of that stuff but like for the most part i just want the school to be successful i want everybody to learn the stuff i want everybody engaged and i imagine you know at some point it'd be really cool if i could get a return on my investment <laughs> but yeah sometimes you know, i'm jealous of karate dojos because they just have to show right? up in a gi and that's yeah. it you know I and, just and, uh, box, uh, uh, you know, punching bags. That's it. Yeah. Like we do, um, we teach a women's self-defense class. 
<clears throat> and we're going to try and ramp this up. We've done we've done quite a number of them so far, and they've been relatively informal, kind of here and there, not not regular. You know, yeah. when are you going to do your next one? And it's like, oh, I don't know, three months or whatever. We're going to try and get to a schedule. But our version of women's self defense is you have a weapon, right? Like if in mm-hmm. a knife, if you can, right? Like mm-hmm. figure out what you what you're willing to fight for, and then. And then when it's time to fight, you fight tooth and toenail, right? And, yeah. and and here's this very quickly accessible piece of how to how to defend yourself with a knife. That is super important to me because one of the things that I've learned, you're you're kind of a bigger guy. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I've learned as an instructor, the two hardest people to teach that it's okay to spar at a high level to are women and big guys. Women always hear, be careful, that's not ladylike. Yeah. And big guys always hear, be careful, you're bigger than they are, you could hurt them. Yep. Right? How many times do you hear that? Yep. If your mama trained you right, that's exactly that echoes in your head when you're a big dude. Right. And so so one of the things like um when you're talking about women's self-defense, one of the statistics that comes out of the FBI is the harder and the longer uh, duration of uh, resistance by the victim, the shorter the overall duration of the event. So the more a woman fights back and the longer that she fights back for, the shorter the overall engagement of that event's gonna be. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does it. It does make sense and it's also very encouraging. Yeah. So, um, Teaching them that it's okay to fight back at all, at all, will shorten the length of the event. Hmm. And so, you know, teaching people that it's okay, giving them that permission. One of the first things that that Lamont wanted to uh, instill in this class, and I thought it was a brilliant move, was there's a little bit of talking at the at the very first to kind of set the stage. And one of the things that he talks about. Uh, is uh, or while we talk about now is um, know the reason you're going to fight, right? Like if it's a mom, dude, that's like, that's the low hanging fruit, your children. Right. But for uh, single, uh, single people or people with no kids or whatever, it's like your personal sovereignty or, or whatever, like, don't touch me. You know, you, you should be fighting with sort of a righteous indignation. Like, how dare you, sir? You know, but, 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 but like, take it to that next level. Like, like, where does that stop? And what, what the problem is, um, there's also like, you know, more and more statistics about this kind of stuff. Um, but there's some statistic that I can't remember the numbers for, uh, a huge proportion of women did not fight initially. So they started getting assaulted and they did not fight initially. And then, then there's some line was crossed and then they fought. And that's part of it. Like teaching, teaching these women that there's, there's a line that it's okay. Like, right. Like when it gets to this point, it's time to fight. Like whatever that looks like, whatever that is for you, again, personal journey. Right. Mm -hmm. But for me, that's another one of those things. Um, We only charge for a, for a three hour, three or four hour class. We only charge 20 bucks. Right. And it's, it's a, and really that's just so we can make rent because mm-hmm. we don't have quite, we have barely enough people to, 
that's in the class month of the month to make the rent that we need to make. <laughs> and, and so, you know, when, when we do the, we did a, this kind of class, you know, what we, we did with this, we bought a bunch of sticks because we were getting low on sticks. Sticks are disposable. Yeah. Uh, so we, we bought a bunch of sticks and then we bought a banner for a men's expo that we're doing some demos at. Very like cool. everything goes straight back into the school. Quick question for you. Where do you source your sticks from? Frank's Rattan. Frank's Rattan. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, where I get them is they're good. It's just they're more expensive than I want. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. So Frank's Rattan. We get. Frank. We Frank get. Fast for you, buddy. <laughs> we get uh, boxes of 26. Uh, okay. For they end up being hovering around 10 bucks a pair. A pair. Yeah. Wow, that's really good. It's like four dollars and four dollars and sixty-five cents a stick or something like that. Oh, something that's like. way better than what I pay. And there, and so we get the we get one inch by thirty inch. Mm-hmm. Those are the those are the sticks lengths that we get. You can yeah. get you can get a box of the single stick sticks, the thirty-six inch sticks. Yeah, and those are closer to seven or eight bucks or something. Still, but that's really it's good. yeah. You should check them out. They're, and we, their their system is really interesting. Their website is circa 1978, right <laughs> right after Al Gore invented the internet. Uh, Frank <laughs> the website. Yeah. So you you order it, you click add to cart, you click checkout, you get an email that says we will call you oh, to wow. confirm your your uh, credit card info. Right. And uh, for me, what happened recently was I got a thing on my PayPal app requesting payment and i just paid it and i they shipped it within a couple days okay so i think they've kind of updated their technology but we used to literally we would literally check out and then they would call us the next day and we would give them our credit card number we did that for years yeah we've used franks rattan for 10 years probably franks rattan yeah Uh, we've even got like c-bots like an inch and a quarter well c-bot is a filipino short spear like five foot tall spear Uh so we have like inch and a quarter to inch and a half like heavy duty rattan, like big kid stuff. Yeah. And we got that from them too. So nice. we, we get all sorts of crap from them. Yeah. I'll have to give them a shot because the, the other ones that I got, you know, they, they have the dowel on the one end and they've drilled it and they've glued it in all nice, but Hey, look, I got, I got a drill. I know where to get mm-hmm. dowels. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth seven. You know, the, the extra. Yeah. Savings. That's interesting. I'll have to see yeah. what you're talking about. Cause that's, the, the dowel yeah because yeah, if you're gonna put on the um you know the hand protection um and they they're supposed to so like when you thrust they're supposed to slide up but then at the very uh, bottom they stay somehow and, and so oh, how, yeah. how they do it is is there's just a little hole drilled in it with like a dowel running this way so perpendicular to the stick yeah yeah, yeah. so it can only go so far but you could do tape you could do whatever so yeah we we do tape on our single sticks yeah that's probably the easiest way to do it. You mean the ghettoist way or the or the the pragmatic way, I mean. Sure. If you want to be funny and use a big word. I just <laughs> I'm just kind of I dirtbag it, you know. Yeah, right, right, right. No, but you guys have some really cool ideas how you just shoestring stuff and it totally works, amazing. Mm-hmm. And who cares? I mean, it's it's just it's just a tool. Yeah. You know, I mean, cuz for for me, the the weapon is here. Yep. Everything else is just a tool. It's just how you how you get you, there. 
Yeah, right. And so, um, you know, you're using sticks and pretending it's a sword for crying out loud. So yeah, I mean, this right. is your weapon, right? Did, so whatever you, you ever, do to that stick for your training purpose, that's it just is yeah. what it is. Did, did we ever show you the focus mitt things we made? Because we showed you the rubber dog ball. That uh, was genius, the rubber dog ball, yeah. So, so there's a different rubber dog ball by that same company, and it's a ball that has a hole goes all the way through the middle. Uh-huh. And the way it comes from Amazon is a big rope through the middle. Oh. Well, if you cut that rope off and you put a heavy uh, rattan stick in there, yes, it, it becomes like a rubber mace. Yeah. But what we use it for is a focus mitt. Yeah. So like you and I will be moving around the the practice floor and uh-huh. then every time I extend my hand, that's you seeing an opportunity. And you hit it. So then God. like if you're practicing hand jabs, so we're moving around and I stick it out and it, like it roughly where a hand level would be, you like bap, that you're getting your reaction time, your your you know, that OODA loop, right? Or observe, orient, decide, act. Yeah. So you're like, okay, I see the hand there. I attack it. Boom. I got it. Well, or we're going to do thrusts. And so we're moving around and then I, I put the stick out like it's my face and you have to like move and thrust or what, like whatever thrust we're working on like that because it's only, you know, it's only six or eight inches around. Mm -hmm. So it it constrains you to be relatively accurate on a moving target while you're moving, you know, and I, I think it's a, it's a super brilliant. Uh, training modality it was a total accident we thought we were buying the other ones to make more single sticks (laughs) and then we're like uh i know (laughs) a couple of our guys a couple of our guys have tried to hit each other with it and they're even heavier than everything else they're they're pretty brutal so we don't do that anymore yeah you could probably giant what the giant cudgel yeah, <laughs> exactly. It'd be a good time had by all, I imagine. If you're the cudgel. <laughs> exactly. Mm, hit, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shoot, man, we've been at this for a very long time. I told you I talk too much. No, it's great. I, I, I love it. And, and uh, I hope the audience enjoys it as, as much as I have. Yeah, me too. Um, but. I'm not sure about your situation, but I got work tomorrow morning. I, I got to be both. I got to be up at three forty-five. Oh, geez, man. Yeah. So, um, okay. So before we go, is there anything else that, that we need to know, um, about the upcoming, um, see, it's so late. I can't even think here. This the is sagebrush skirmish. Totally bad radio. Yeah. Thank you. The sagebrush skirmish. What do we need to know about it? So you drive in there from far away where do people stay? What's what's uh, some 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 cool um, magic as far so as the, the 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 town where it's outside of is the town of or the city of Prosser. Uh, I am not a hundred percent savvy on on Prosser. Uh, the Tri Cities is kind of the next bigger the next biggest town, and it's significantly larger. Um, I imagine Prosser probably has some Airbnbs or some uh, uh, hotels and stuff there. I, I have a friend that lives there and and whatnot she's it's kind of any small town usa kind of thing the tri-cities yeah. has like a you know hampton inn and red lion and you know all the things so uh probably a little bit more accessible in a way it, it like plus oh i have to tell you I, I don't know if i told you yet but one of the things that we're planning is the tournament is on saturday yeah on sunday 
we have we're having a barbecue. The eats, yes. So um, we're gonna have an option. Too. Yes, we're gonna have an option on the sign-in thing, which I'll get you a link to as soon as I have a one made up. Um, we're cool. working on a Google Sheets kind of a thing. Nice. Uh, that we'll be sending out. Cool. Um, <clears throat> but on the sheet will be: uh, Will you attend the barbecue? Are you going to have uh, plus ones or plus mores? <laughs> and then, uh, will you be bringing food or money? <laughs> <laughs> like, I so like if it. you're if you're bringing sides or if you're bringing whatever, you know that that's awesome, and we super encourage that. If you are bringing uh, cash money, um, my wife and I are gonna. Okay, I'll be totally honest. Probably yeah. mostly my wife because I'll be I'll be sword fighting. Right. Um, she's an amazing, amazing cook and runs a barbecue like like nobody's oh, business. Amazing. So um, she, we're going to be like doing some smoked meats and barbecue kind of stuff for that. So nice. Um, we'll c- try and provide most of the protein. Uh, people want to bring other stuff too. I'm not going to ever say no. But cool. uh, so that's so going to be Sunday. Gotcha. And I'm work. I'm, I'm also working on uh, trying to get one of the local hotels to maybe cut us a deal on a on a block of rooms. But Ooh, that's nice. super tentative right now. Yeah, gotcha. So, so is, circling back to the the money for food, what's the suggested um, um, the donation? Uh, I yeah, think donation is probably a good place. Uh, is a good. I, I imagine. I I think we have it written on the thing, but I think it's around twenty bucks, something yeah. like that. Totally reasonable, Which, you know, like, you know, 15, 20 bucks or whatever. I, I don't want to, I don't want to put people out, but at the same time, right now you go it's to barbecue. any restaurant, I was going to say you go to any restaurant right now, 20 bucks. If you're not bringing food, 20 bucks is going to buy you dinner. Right. So, yeah. I, no, I think I, that's, I think totally that's reasonable. Pretty, yeah. Uh, I don't know. So thinking about other, other, uh, housekeeping things, I can't remember how much we've decided on the event itself, but I know we're going to have. Um, we don't want to do sh- t-shirts. T-shirts seem sort of, uh, everybody gets a t-shirt. I think we're going to do embroidered patches. Everybody oh, will be get, sick. Everybody will get an embroidered patch. Yeah. Uh, uh, what else we're going to do? We're going to try and do prizes for first, second, and third. Um, we are currently in search of sponsors. If anybody wants to sponsor, uh, us, I'm not sure. Um, I think we we're, we're maybe one of the things we're thinking about is anybody that sponsors us will put their name on a two foot by four foot banner and hang it at the event. But uh, I'm not sure um, mm-hmm. what else that looks like. However, else we're going to advertise that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to try and do a prize for first, second, and third in both tournaments. Uh, like I said, the guy that or the person that uh, places first in single stick gets an invite to the sword and buckler tournament. Uh, if they don't have good kit, uh, appropriate kit, we will kit them out with uh, the ridiculous amount of kit that we have. <laughs> um, kit for sword and buckler is a serviceable buckler. Uh, bring what you bring as far as a sword, and there's going to be a length limitation that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, gloves, forearms, hard elbows, hard knees and lower legs, gamison and mask, back ahead and a gorget is a, a sword and buckler requirement. The stick, single stick requirement is far less. It is, if I remember correctly, it's like uh, knees and elbows, gloves, and a mask. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's no gamison requirement. There's no gorget requirement. Don't quote me on that, though. I'm, the, 
for the people that are going to be in the tournament, we'll have full access to requirements and rule sets and all that as soon as yeah. we can. We're and still I'm, finalizing all that. And I'm linking your Facebook event um, in yeah. the show cool. notes. So if it's updated there, then if they follow yes. this podcast in the show notes, it should be down there. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then, you know, for like I said, for the barbecue, um, we're going to have the, the space that we that we rent. We're going to have that for the day. And so bring what you bring. If you're a longsword guy, I can 200% guarantee you we will have people for you to fight. If you're a uh, pocket knife guy, I 400% guarantee you're going to have people to fight. <laughs> Um, uh, I have been known to pull the air, odd airsoft gun on people during sparring, uh, <laughs> but that's 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 more of the T-bone T-bone thing than the HEMA. <laughs> um, trying to think of what else. I think that's kind of it. Like cool. the the Tri Cities is also known as a a, a big and, and Prosser specifically too. That it's a it's wine country. Like died died in the wool. Probably better than California, even though California oh. won't admit it. So, um, <laughs> if you, if you take, you know, take the weekend and come down and, and stuff, um, yeah, it's, it's a really cool area. Yeah. And it's father's day weekend. So dads, there do you, what go. you need to do, yep. you know, clout time. And yeah, all you, all you have to say is all I want to do is go fight people. And uh, you know, what are, what are they going to say? Yeah. I'd rather you, I'd rather you stay home and crochet. Like maybe if that's your thing, that's cool. But <laughs> I thought you were going to hit me today, dear. Yeah, I don't think that doesn't have <laughs> no. the same reaction. Yeah, no. Well, if she has a mask and sticks and, you know. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, Monica and Jay, oh, like yeah. like the couple that, that, that swing swords together stays together, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, power couple there. <laughs> For real. I, I'd love to see how, they're, how they um, settle household spats. Oh, <laughs> They've man. got their gear all ready to go. To the pain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So great. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, hey, man, it's been great talking to you. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you're welcome. Everybody, Jim Epperly. So, um, yeah, look him up. Um, If you're in the area and you're looking for some martial arts experience, definitely check out his club. And, again, I got show notes in the the, bottom of the – I got the notes in the show notes, so there's links there. Uh, and I think I got your martial art club um, listed as well. So Right on. Cool. All right, I'm going to end the recording now. Everybody, remember to slay your demons, and we'll catch you on the next one.